0: Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net.
1: Well, guys, let me explain right, right up front here for just a moment uh, this privilege that, that um, the Ohio Network has uh, offered my son and I uh, to be the men's directors here for, for Ohio. It, is, it is, is very much an honor for us. This is not something that we just even answered when we were asked. We didn't just say, yeah, sure. No, man, we, we took some time to pray about this. We took some time to talk about this. And, and we're both very busy, just like you guys are. We're, we're busy people. But you know what? We just really believed that this was the direction that God would have us to go. So our, our main thrust at the time when they introduced us to this was, guys, take care of game day. And if you guys can do some men's things like head up Top Gun and and maybe plan a few other things uh, at this point in time, that will make us happy. Well, we thought, well, man, I mean, that's pretty easy. We could do that. Of course, game day, we didn't get a whole lot of time to plan, but God really opened some quick doors for us. It's pretty amazing. And I certainly, of course, want to encourage all of you uh, that's coming up here just April 4th and 5th is game day uh, down in uh, Grove City, just uh, southwest of Columbus a little bit. Uh, we got some great things planned for that, man. We got a, we got a great tailgate party on Friday night planned. Everything from inflatables for guys, if you can really believe that. We've got some things coming. We've got a band's going to be playing a live band. We're going to have the grills out. We'll have the cornhole games. Uh, guys, just a whole bunch of stuff planned for a fellowship time for you and your guys to come in. So don't eat before you get there. Wait till you get there and you can purchase a, um, the, the, the tailgate kind of uh, food and things like that. But, guys, it's going to be a great time. And then at an evening service, and this is going to be our main spiritual thrust, guys. This is going to be where we're going to challenge the men of Ohio. To be, to be the husbands and the fathers and, and the men in their church that they really need to be. And um, we really believe in that this can be a great challenge for them. And we really want you guys to cover that in prayer with us, that God would use that time to, challenge, to really encourage the men. And we're going to have an altar time that we're just believing and praying and believing that Holy Spirit's just going to show up and sweep that place and for some life change. And, and God can do that. Of course, it's all up to Him. I, we can't change anybody's life. So it's all about Him. And then on Saturday, of course... Um, we're going to be having uh, Jim Trussell, um, many of you know as uh, was a one-time coach at Ohio State, and also uh, Maurice Claret was one of the running backs for the championship team uh, that coach um, taught or, or coached as well at that time. So anyway, guys, a lot of good things. We'll be handing out, everybody gets a man car. but I'm not sure, man, I, don't make us come to your church and take your man card, okay? You got to be men, guys, and we're going to have some fun with that as well. But well, let me tell you now what we're going to do here today. Today, I am not going to give you anything that you can take home and use right now. Today, I'm going to introduce you to what we're going to introduce to every area in the church through our reps. And we're still looking and praying for reps. We don't have all of our reps yet for every area. We have 14 areas here in Ohio, and we've got now about half that many reps that have come on board with us uh, as, as, as a brand new um, uh, thrust here in the direction that we're looking to go. But what we're calling this that we're going to be sharing with our reps, we're going to be training our reps that will come into your area, that your area rep, and then any church in that area that would like to get involved and be trained for Project 13. When this takes place, our reps are going to be there to train your leaders. They're going to be there to be called if you have questions. They're going to be there, hopefully, to walk you through Project 13. Conan and I, as we began praying about this and looking. Now, they didn't ask us to do this, but, you know, uh, I don't know how to say this. Me and my boy are just kind of like that. I mean, we, we just, if God gives us something to do, we want to do it the best we can. And, and the Lord really began to deal with our hearts. Because You know what I started doing? I started going across Ohio. I Man, let, let me find a model here in Ohio. Let me find a church that's, that's knocking it out of the park in men's ministry. So I go to John uh, Wooten and I said, Pastor John, um, um, give me the name of that church. Um, uh, you know. Okay, John Musgrave, you travel all over the place. Give me the name of that church. Uh, you know. And I'm not being facetious. I mean, there, there's got to be some churches, you know, I'm sure that are doing some good things. I don't want to take away from those, but I, I honestly could not find a model that we could bring and say, okay, this is the model that we need to set up in all of our churches. This is what's working. So Conan and I went to the National Men's Convention in uh, Branson, Missouri, and we come there looking, saying, okay, man, we're going to look for a model. Let's see if we can find something. Well, once again, we get there, and we're we're sitting in the classes and things, and nothing, nothing's coming up. I mean, nothing is is looking at these things. And so I really believe the Lord directed us at one of the tables when we was doing some different events there. One guy mentioned this Project 13, and he talked about how over in West Texas, Uh, network over at West Texas that God has taken this and there's been a lot of good things in men's ministry that's happened over there. Of course, our antennas went up and we took this guy out to supper and sit down with him and said, talk to us about Project 13. Well, his name's Robert Kennedy. He's actually the guy that put this together. But here's what we were looking for, guys. We was looking not for a program. We don't need another program. We need a model. We need a structure. So we found Project 13 and truly believe that this is a structure. And once again, as we look at even the thought here that Jesus gave us a direct command before leaving, He said, go and make disciples of all men. He did not say, go and make converts. He said making a convert is often simple. and We know that it, he didn't say it. But sometimes making converts is actually the simplest thing as we have introduced somebody to Christ. But now taking this young man or this person, whatever age, and making them into a disciple, well, once again, that was the command. So it's important that we look at that and important that we take a thought at that for a moment. And then the converts, uh, once again, The the change that their belief system is what we're looking for. Just last Sunday, guys, i got a guy that just started coming to my church. Um, Got two little kids. You know, he's probably in his mid-30s and bald-headed and tattoos all over his head and down his neck. And and I'm thinking, actually, I was thinking, you know, that's pretty cool. (laughs) He's got a pretty cool tattoo on his head. Well, after church, he came up to me. He said, Pastor, can I talk to you, man? I said, sure, man. I went off to the side. He goes, you got to me, man. You got to me today. I go, um, well, let me tell you something. I said, I could see his excitement. I said, it wasn't me that got to you. It was God that got to you. He said, what's your name? He said, man, I've never felt this. I've never, I've never felt like it. I, I, I just feel like I, I, I really want to get it right with God. And I said, well, how about we pray right now? And he goes, uh, right now? I go, and he got a little nerve. I said, right now, man, I mean, what better time? You, you're telling me that God's touched your heart. But you know what? I had the privilege right there of taking this young man back in one of the Sunday school classrooms, and he and I prayed the prayer of salvation. How long does that prayer take? A minute or two, not even two minutes if you think about it. He prayed the sinner's prayer. And I said, how easy was that? He goes, that's pretty easy. You know? I said, well, you know what? It's just the beginning. Actually, I said, you know what else? That was the easy part. Now you get to walk the walk. Now you get to do your best to live by the Word of God. And I said, you know what? I'm going to help you do that. I'm not going to let you go out there on your own. We're going to help you do that. Guys, converts change. It it changes their belief system. This boy's whole belief system was touched that morning in that service. I really believe that. But he doesn't even know that that's totally happened yet. But he's going to find out. Disciples practice living out their belief system. Converts attend church and listen to sermons, right? And, and, And disciples apply what they hear. So think about it again. Let me just redo that. Converts change their belief system, but disciples practice living out their belief, right? Converts attend church and listen to sermons. Disciples apply what they hear. Converts retain rights and change only some behavior. Disciples relinquish rights and become world changers. Isn't that what it is? That's what a disciple is. Well, guys, let me tell you something. Eighty percent of men in prison today had no father image. Eighty percent had no positive male image in their life. 70, I can't remember, 72, 75% of men who become serial killers, 72% of those men had no male influence in their life. There was no training as a father, no father image, no male image, no positive father image, no positive male image. So what does that say of the importance of men in the life of their children? And daughters and, and they went on to say, even about daughters was was up in that seventy eight percentile that those that go out and go wild and and go with all the, 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 the and you know even and, and once again not to be judgmental or anything but but are always attracted to the wrong kind of guys, the guys that would abuse her and these things. What happened? No positive male image guys men 's ministry in fact, think about it today. this is probably and, and this is not to say negative or bad, but it's probably one of the smallest attended classes at something like this, because men's ministry is not big anywhere. I, can't, I don't want to do that. I'm sure there's some that do great, okay? But as a rule, in our Assembly of God churches, we have never gone after the men probably in the last, what is it, 50 years? Think about it for a moment, the importance of, of, of men in the church and, and what the difference that, that, that the men can make in a church like that. And, 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 and here's, here's one of the problems. One of the problems is that we cannot, uh, we cannot do, the pastor cannot do everything. It's a problem. The problem, the pastor cannot disciple everybody. Guys, it's not going to happen. He can't. I know as a pastor, I don't have the time to spend with all the men in our church or all the families of our church. I can't do it. But there is an answer to this. And this is what Project 13, it surrounds the pastor with men that can help disciple men. And this ensures that men are growing men seven days a week. I mean, this is I, when I explain and show you the possibilities of this. And once again, it's a structure, it's a skeleton that you put your DNA from your church. Not a program, but a structure that actually you can build on. And we, we, I really believe that we can help churches that want help to walk through this and, and, and to help them accomplish what I really believe God wants us to do. So once again, this. The answer to this uh, problem that the pastor can't do it all, uh, pastors and churches are seeing, I think, a powerful impact. What would happen, guys, in your church, if all of a sudden the men of your church, the majority of men, became not only godly men, but men that were willing to step out and help other men? Intentionally do that. It's said that less than 10% of American churches have any form of ministry to men. Satan himself, of course, is aware of the power of a godly man. I want you guys to think about this. For decades, Satan's done everything in his power to stop the efforts of pastors and church leaders from tapping into men's ministry. And You may ask, does Satan really have the power to hinder ministry? Guys, we know the answer to that. And can you even consider what Paul said when he wrote to the church of Thessalonica? In 1 Thessalonians, he said, I wanted to come to you again and again, but Satan hindered me. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get there. I just couldn't get there. Then, then I want you to look at this thought for just a moment also. Um, let's go to the next one, please. Once again, I just shared that with you. I, I, I got ahead of myself. Let's go one more, Debbie. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Satan knows this potential. Let's go one more. Okay. If we win a child to Christ, 3.5% of the time, the family will follow. So if we win a woman to Christ... 17% of the time the family will follow. If we went a man to Christ, 93% of the time the family's going to follow. Now if you think about that for a moment, and let's consider for just a moment how dysfunctional. And of course I know this first part I want to share with you is really why we need men's ministry in our church. So once again, how dysfunctional Uh, this family called the church really is. Today, if we're told, if you want to build the church, focus on the children and the youth. Am I right? Do we have a children's pastor? Do we have a youth pastor? Do we have a men's pastor? Do we have a ladies' pastor? A lot of times, these are volunteer parts, right? Right? But think about it for a moment. If you want to build a church, focus on children and youth. And we've even invented a phrase, I think, to to, to identify this strategy of emphasizing those ministry. We call them growth engines. Remember that terminology was big? These are growth engines. So we minister them for an hour and a half on Sundays and then send them back into sometimes, back into hell the rest of the week. Our children and our youth, our numbers look good on paper, but we've been, and we've been okay with women's ministry being in the front line, I think as well. And that's nothing against women's ministry, guys. But let's rehearse what we just read. The woman and children are out in front leading the march against hell as the men lag way behind. Is this not a picture that enemy, any enemy would welcome? Guys, think about that with me. Does the church grow when we focus on these ministries? And the answer is yeah. And to a point, but however, the women and children, they continue still to endure miserable home lives because the dad has never come to Christ. In fact, sometimes even at the best, If he is a Christian, sometimes they're weak and even immature believers because we've never really poured into the men. So we've learned to do, I think, church without men. In fact, churches are financially weak because dad doesn't allow mom many times to fully support the women and the youth and the children's ministries. So now, guys, the enemy has got to be laughing. Because we have no men to be spiritual leaders. and once again, guys, not no men. You guys know where I'm coming from. So I don't want you to read something saying, oh, you're really weak. And don't get defensive. Well, we've got some men. But I want you to really think about it. Have we really gone after the men? And too many times we go, hey, we have a men's breakfast once a month. And most of the time, that's fellowship. That's not discipleship. We're getting the men together, which is good. But is it really discipleship that we're getting together for? We have no men to be spiritual leaders. We've left the fighting to the weaker vessels. We're a poverty-stricken church many times that barely pays the bills on time instead of helping the orphans and widows like God asks us to. And uh, there, there's a reason that Satan has uh, made sure that only about 10% of American churches have any form of ministry to men. And he's keenly aware of the potential of godly men. And can Satan hinder ministry? Once again, absolutely. But if God be for us, guys, once again, who could possibly even be against us? Even be against us. The DNA is priceless. Each ministry already has. Guys, here's what's so awesome your church already has its DNA. Your DNA is not the same as grace fellowship and can. It's not, and it will never be. But once again, we can only reproduce what we are. Isn't that correct? So, once again, that metaphor that best describes, I think, Project 13 is that of an incomplete, if you will, high-rise uh, that's under construction. And, and the contractor is going to build the structure. Uh, but the tenant is going to design the space, paint and decorate each of the rooms. So, once again, each ministry already has their own DNA that's unique to their personal personality and their geographical location. This simply provides a structure that's going to house your ministry's DNA. This is what Project 13 is. It's already there. We've got to figure it out. So once again, if we're going to break this down, and this is what Project 13 is going to do. We're going to break it down to three categories. Uh, connecting men to men, growing healthy men, and activating men is the challenge for this. And uh, so let's look here now, if you would, at making that connection. We pretty well talk, talked about... Uh, uh, that that very thing to happen. The first step in developing... I'm sorry, once again. (laughs) Okay, we got this. Back up for me one if you would. Oh, you did already. Okay, (laughs) okay, guys, I I apologize. Um, Well, not really. I'm just just what it is. So here we go, guys. Okay, (laughs) Okay, I'm kidding, man. Here we go. The first step in developing a well-rounded man is we got to connect men to men. Okay, guys, this is really important. So to connect the men inside the church to each other, And then give them avenues that will provide opportunities to connect with men in their communities. But guys, we've got to start first. You may say, but you don't understand, we only have maybe three men. Well, guys, that's three men. I mean, is that not a starting point? Men in the church, statistics tell us that men who connect to other men within the church are 80% less likely to leave the church. If a man connects with a man in the church, even if it's a golf partner, even if it's somebody that, that, that loves Ohio State, you know, and maybe you just get together on Saturday on occasion and watch one of the games together. That guy's going to come to church. So we've got to become innovative, I think, in finding ways to connect the men of our church that's already there. So once again, this is part of the training that will come through Project 13. And then men in the community. And, and it's imperative, I think, that we create as many, let's call them soft entry points, okay? This is a non-threatening event or an activity uh, to, to, bring people, to bring the guys in. And, and, and this, this will begin to connect men to men and create multiple access points into the life of the church. And, and let me give just a quick example of a soft uh, uh, entry point, if you will. Uh, it could be anything. Say you, got, say you got some guys in your church that love to hunt. Well, say you put together, man, you know, guys, hey, bring in your, bring in your trophies. Bring in, take that deer head off the wall and bring it in and tell us the story. We all, hunters always got a story. And you say, hey, tell some of your buddies, You got who do you hunt with? Tell them guys to bring their, their, you know, okay, that's a soft end. These guys are coming non-threatening. We're not talking preacher preaching. They, they're coming in, and, and you're going to share with them, right? Well, man, this is a great step. You've got these guys in here at a soft entry point, nothing hard, Everybody, something they really enjoy. It could be your guys that love to bowl. They bowl with guys every week. What is it, five guys on a team? Well, maybe only one of them goes to church. Hey, listen, man, go get your bowling trophies. Bring them out here. We're go- we're going to do something pretty cool, man. We're just going to talk and we're going to uh, uh, meet at the bowling alley or something. You know, let's least meet. I want to meet you with some of the other guys. At Whatever, but you see, that's making the connection, and that's what I'm really looking at in, in the community. We got men in the church already there. We have got to start with these guys. This is this is our first process, I think. And then we looked at the ways to step out in the men's uh, uh, ministry in the community, and then once again to create uh, this new culture. To create it, it becomes important. In fact, our old philosophy has been this, guys. A lot of years, the church has uh, operated with a philosophy that once a man uh, believes in Christ, he must change his behavior in order to belong to a group. Now, think about that. I was raised old-time Pentecost, fellas. If somebody, when I was a kid, if they got saved and didn't quit their smoking that week or that next day, they were, they were asked to leave the church. They were actually asked... Well, you didn't really get God. You need to go somewhere else. You know, you, you weren't serious about this. You go, and when you're serious, then you come back. Guys, how wrong is that? What have we just done? This? So that's the old philosophy. And once again, you've got to change your behavior if you're going to belong to our group. But then there's a new philosophy, I think, just like belong, believe, and behave, if you will. And once a man feels a sense of acceptance, and guys, this is the challenge, I think. And I don't care. All men wants to have friends. All men want to be accepted. I don't care who we are. And, the, and we, need to, we need to jump on that, if you will. And once again, uh, that sense of acceptance and belonging uh, that he, he will now consider believing maybe in behavior change. Once he belongs to a group, let me tell you something, that group's going to influence him, is it not? If somebody's going to come in from the outside and be a part of your church group, maybe they're just visiting once, but if they connected with somebody in that group and want to come back, pretty soon you're going to see some changes in their life because of who they're hanging with. So once again, this is that new philosophy, if you will, if we could look at it that way. But I think then and only then will men be willing to change their behavior is when they feel accepted and they realize that these are good guys. Let me tell you what happened to one guy, Top Gun. If you're not familiar with Top Gun, it's something we do in the state where we shoot pistols and they compete all over the state. This year you're going to be hearing a lot more. We're, we're actually putting it in four parts of the state for guys that like to do that. Right then we're going to bring them together for the championship and all that fun stuff. But you know what? I had a man in my church. I could not get him to church. I don't care what we tried. John Bruffy wouldn't come to church. But one day, his wife heard we're going to shoot, be Top Gun. She went home and said, "Hey, guys, church shooting guns? What? Christians shoot guns? You know? I didn't know that. So anyway, he came." And he, he, he came and, of course, he was with a bunch of our guys, right, from our church. Man, we had a blast. We had a lab. You know how guys are. Maybe we was having a great time. When we went back to the church for lunch, he came up to me and goes, hey, preacher. He said, you know, you Christians are like normal people. I said, what? I mean, this is what the man said to me. You, you Christians are like normal people. He, he had this concept, did he not, from somewhere along the line. This man was probably in his uh, late 60s. And he, once again, he started coming to church because he connected as something that that was just a a common interest, a soft entry point. That man gave his life to Christ in a few weeks. Okay, it might be a few months, but he gave his life to Christ. And right after he gave his life to Christ, he found out that he had cancer. And within the next six months, he was gone. But guys, man, that gives me chills to think that because we connected with a man on the outside to found out that Christians are nice people, they're real people, they're just like everybody else. Well, we would think, well, I thought everybody thought that. Apparently not. But look how something like that, from a soft entry port, bringing an outside man into men with just men, it changes, well, it changes eternity. Guys, how awesome is that? And we need we need to look at things like that. Let's go to the next one, if you would, please. Strategic uh, or connections. What if we took a moment to determine the kind of men we already have? Remember that there can be multiple interest groups according to the size of the church or organization. Never be discouraged that everyone doesn't participate in every event. Even if two or three men make a strategic connection, because that's a win. That's a win. I think our philosophy has always kind of been we got to go big. And if we don't get a big crowd, it didn't work. If we don't do it. Guys, once again, to me, if you had two guys that showed up, well, say if you had 20 guys showed up, would those two guys still be there, part of the 20? But all of a sudden we move the other 18 guys and these two guys aren't important no more? Guys, these two guys are just as important if the room was full of 20 guys. And it's the same principle, if you will. Don't be discouraged for small. Love on these guys. Make a difference on these guys. But this is such a, a strategic point, I think. So, what if we took a moment once again to do that? And the, using this common interest thing, if we would actually using, uh, if you will, to fire some of these guys up. You know, you, you may have the weekend warrior sports junkie. You know, that softball every week. You got, to, he's a, the, his wife's a softball widow in the summer, right? Well, guys, you know what? It's amazing that you could do some things for guys that love this kind of stuff. You may have campers. As I said earlier, hunters. Folks, listen, this is the kind of things that fire some of these guys up. And by using the common interest that already exists, it's easy to promote connection. And you gain momentum, if you will, because you're speaking their language. And remember that there can be multiple interest groups. That's really important. And, and you know, I, I'm even going to do this. Several ideas to help provoke your thoughts a little bit, if I may, as, we, as a process. Um, and um, uh, if you will, and just a little bit uh, that I'm going to just share with you more than one or two things of what I'm trying to say here. So connecting men to men. It's all inclusive, and this part of the strategy is a come one, come all approach. And that, that's, once again, what we're going to be sharing. Uh, let's take a look at this next one here on Connect. Let's look at a few things. What if you just had some guys night out? You know what we did the other day? Me and some guys, um, in fact, they invited me. I went out with a guy, and I didn't even know his buddies, but he thought, hey, this is a good chance for him to meet my pastor. You know what? We went out and saw a movie, and then we went out to dinner. And we was out there at almost midnight in this restaurant. You know, just talking and laughing and, 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 and connecting, if you will. You could do the bowling. You do the golf. You got guys that like golf? Me, I'm more of a goofer than a golfer. But, hey, I'll get out there with a But I like anything that's, well, I'm a little competitive. And when I can't play well, that just, I don't have as much fun as some of them guys. But the point is, it doesn't matter. You're out there with a guy. You're out there letting them laugh at you. Head with you. Motorcycle rides. we got some bikers in our church. Guys like to hike. we got gamers. We, got, we could do a father-son thing and invite uh, the father-daughter thing. You know, you've got kids in your children's church or dad don't come. Plan something like that. See if the dads won't come. If that little one go home, Daddy, take me. You know they're going to come. Uh, gun enthusiasts. It doesn't matter. But that's just some connect examples. That's just a few things in your church. But once again, it's your DNA. You guys don't fit all these. What if one of these? Or maybe two of these. Maybe you've got techies. Maybe you've got some techies in there. Maybe you can get these guys together. You know, they just love to share their programs and stuff. But I always tell them, I said, You guys see this spirit? <laughs> I can't figure this stuff out. So I got some guys I need you to teach. You know, bring, bring your techies in, man. Tell, hey, you wives, go home and tell your husband, Do they love computer? Oh, my husband loves Hey, tell them we'd like to talk. Tell them to come out and show us some stuff. I say, once again, soft connect. Soft connect. Let me go to the next step here. Write it in stone. Guys, if you're going to have a men's ministry, you need to have a calendar. Now, let me explain this to you all again. We're going to come into your area and go over every bit of this stuff in detail. And we're going to come in and show you how. Now, some of you may say, well, you know what, I can do this. And, and that's great, guys. That's great. You, you certainly could do that. In fact, I'm sure you could jump on the Internet and uh, just go under Project 13. But we are going to make it available for those that have an interest that we want to train your guys. I'm going to explain that in just a minute, how that works. But building a men's calendar, most men's ministries, you know, what, you know why they don't last? They perish on the back of good ideas that are mismanaged. And I think until we take the time to be better managers, in fact, move ideas to scheduled events, they're going to continue to be just that. They're just going to be good ideas. Yeah, you know, we need to try that sometime. But what is not on the calendar usually doesn't happen. I talked to a buddy of mine yesterday. I said, hey, man, uh, let's do golf and lunch. But this guy's a really good golfer, so I'm going to invite another guy that's a really good golfer. He don't know it yet. But I'm going to invite him to come and and golf with us so this guy have a little competition. But here's what I said to him. I said, you know it'll never happen if we don't pull it on a calendar. We've got our phones out. Let's put it on the calendar. And we're going to try our best not to let anything come up. Let's make it happen. But, and I know it's, if we didn't put it on the calendar, is it going to happen? We've got good intentions. You guys have all done it. It's not going to happen. So once again, it's important that, that we do that, that we do that. And let's look for just a moment like at, at conflict. When you're putting a calendar together, it's, it's really difficult for churches to manage several uh, departments uh, with a variety of events. I know at our church we have one van. So whoever asks for that van and gets it on the calendar first gets the van. So once again, we need to coordinate these things, that we eliminate the conflict. And then the commitment, uh, without a commitment that we're just going to make the calendar and put it down and then begin to put it out uh, and just watch to see if guys wouldn't come. But once again, this commitment is good intentions eventually become lost opportunities. So once again, I mean, we'll have a sample for you of things like this. we we'll are even walk through, and I'll show you in just a moment as well, that we're going to do this. In fact, on the sample page, uh, in just a moment, when, when anything red on the calendar is always national events for the, for the assemblies, and anything in blue is always our, our, our network or our district and regional. Anything in yellow are, are the seasonal suggestions to help us, uh, you know, if it's turkey season, um, you know, if deer season's coming, if bow season's coming, if for those that enjoy the hunting, we're going to put some things on the calendar. Hey, guys, bring your bows out uh, a couple weeks before season, and uh, let's all come out and practice some. We'll have a dinner for you. You know, come on out, let's shoot some bows. And, man, guys love to do stuff like those, th- if that's their DNA. So, so once again, we're putting it on calendar here. We're, we're making it happen. And um, you, you research that. Somebody's got to go ahead and find out, oh, I can't believe this year for turkey season, my wife's got me in Florida on opening day of turkey season. And I'm thinking, honey, you've got to get your priorities correct. <laughs> she said, well, I'm gone, and you can stay here if you want. Whoa, easy. I'll go to Florida. But so you need to, in advance, get these things on the calendar so other things don't, don't, don't come involved, involved with them. Let's go to the next one. And here's just a quick example of... Um, um, of what to do on this. One more time. Sorry. I want to get to that one right here. And this is just an example of what we're going to show and, and introduce. And, and once again, this ain't rocket science, but we're going to put it in the hands and walk with you through a counter during that training session. And, and this is the example of the red and the yellow and the blues uh, to do something like that. But it needs, to be, it needs to be done. Let's go to the next thought real quick, uh, growth strategy. And I want us to take a look here. But it, it, this right here is what Jesus did. He himself modeled what... Well, give me another word for e- inclusivity. What's another word for that? He, he, he didn't bring everybody in on this, did he? He took a, a group and made it exclusive. And that was his disciples, right? What was it? Select. select. He was very select. And he modeled this. He chose 12 men to make up his band of 13. And we're aware that this concept is difficult for a lot of leaders to accept because our goal has always been to reach the multitude. Yet in men's ministry, it's proven completely ineffective. Let me tell you something, guys. What happens when you get a bunch of women together? I mean, la, la, la. And they'll tell stories. They'll cry. And they will la- and they even go to a bathroom together. Yeah, a bunch of guys are going to get together and do all that stuff. Not a chance. And this is another point of men's ministry. Men don't do well in large groups. They don't open up and connect well in large groups. But they do connect well in small groups. And once again, we see that and it's a very true thing. Let's go to the next thought here. If Project 13, the main focus of this is to provide a structure and to promote one-on-one discipleship. Now, once again, this, this is what our focus, our main focus is. We're not just focusing on nothing but one-on-one. We're going to focus on the wide spectrum of getting all the guys out. But our goal is to try to get these guys that have any struggles or any problems. Because I get things that cross me. My desk, or guys that knock on my door and say things like, um, "Pastor, I'm really struggling with pornography." Pastor, my marriage is falling apart. Uh, you know, and I mean negative. Pastor, my job, I I, I can't take it anymore. My co work. you know, whatever it is, it's coming across. But here's what happens in a corporate setting: these guys get in line, and when the first guy comes, he's dealt with till it's the next guy's turn. But as a minister and a pastor, they're hurting right now. So what happens when the guy comes in that's struggling with pornography and, I, and I, I meet with him a couple times and the next guy comes up and says, my marriage has fallen apart. All of a sudden the guy with pornography is going to be put to the back burner because I, I've got to bring this guy in here and minister to him a little bit. There's only one guy. That's your pastor in many cases, where there's nobody else to help him with that. What happens with, with, with uh, Project 13, we are now, and I'm going to show you in just a moment, we're going to train guys, and we're going to use construction terms. We're going to use a white hat, a blue hat, and a yellow hat. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But what happens, the pastor then can turn around to one of his blue hats and say, how serious are you about, about overcoming this problem? How serious are you about wanting help? Well, I'm serious. Well, I've got a guy you can connect with i got a guy that will take you to coffee. i got a guy that's going to sit down with you. And, 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 I'm not, and I'm going to tell you right now, this guy's not a doctor. He's not a psychiatrist. But he's somebody who cares. And Guys, it is amazing when a hurting person sits down with somebody who cares. They may not even have the answers. But he's going to hold you accountable. And he's going to help you in ways to overcome uh, those kind of things. So it's just important. Let's go to the next one, please. Um, I want you to look here at the white hat. Let me just begin right now and share this with you for a moment. So how does this discipleship strategy work? Once again, that main focus is a one-on-one. So each group is going to have a key leader that disciples three leaders. And they, in turn, would disciple three men. And in each group of 13, they're going to have a, uh, if you will, assign this color coded hard hat. This is just the analogy we're going to use is, is a construction. Everybody, most guys know that the white hat's going to be the foreman on the job. The blue hats are going to be or he's going to be the contractor, the blue hat's going to be the foreman, and your yellow hats are your workers, right? So let's just take a moment, if you will. Every group of 13 guys is going to have a key leader. This key leader is going to be defined as the white hat. And a white hat is defined along with his job description that I'm going to share with you uh, in just a moment. But then once again, he, the white hat, is going to be surrounded by three blue hats. These are going to be mature men that have a heart for discipleship. And once again, I was just listening to my son Josh's session, and he made a great point. He said, I didn't know all the people in my church that was gifted and talented like they are until I started really asking. Guys, you've got people in your church. You might be amazed what these guys and gals can do. You don't even have a clue possibly because you've never really approached them or really maybe never gave them. And I found out something, guys. I can't get people to volunteer. But if I go up and ask them, they're in. What is that? It's got to be our nature. But these blue hats, mature men that have a heart for discipleship, And these men are identified, as we said, as blue hats. And there's a description of the blue hat that I'm going to share with you in a moment. And then the yellow hats. Each blue hat is asked to disciple no more than three yellow hats. And each yellow hat has committed to the process of change. And this is the whole key, too. They have committed. I am serious about this. He's a part of the larger group of men. All, all of them are, but they're the ones that are not satisfied watching from the sideline. He's ready to become an apprentice, and, he, and he's got to be willing to make a strong commitment to this process in order to be invited to be, once again, to participate with, with this elite group. Um, so you've got the white hat, and then we've got the blue hat, okay? I need to back up a little bit. Let me back up to the white hat. I did, I did talk about the, the three different colors, but here's what I want to start out with first. The white hat, in many cases, is your pastor, Okay? He's the one that's going to sit down and, and try him to fight. What, he might only have one blue hat. He might not have three blue hats. He might have one guy in his church that might be willing to step out in faith and, 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 and just begin to kind of lead this thing a little bit. So what is he going to do? He's going to pour into this white hat. And this is what we're going to train in your area. This is what I'm going to do with my reps. I'm going to make them all white hats. I'm going to train them to be white hats. And they're going to come into your area, be your youth rep, and he's going to offer, once again, you send me guys that you feel would step up and might be willing. Let me explain this to them and see if they'll accept it. And if they would become a white hat, and it may be the pastors, but it may be somebody else that reports to the pastor, if you will. But that white hat becomes the leader and the trainer and the accountability. It's important, the accountability. And, and you've got to note, once again, the importance of pastor's involvement. The pastor needs to be behind this. Men want to become... And guys, I hesitate almost because I'm a pastor. But I've been doing this a long time, and I have found that many men... We all men look up to somebody. I don't care. You know. We don't think, well, I don't really... But if you really put it in perspective, there's somebody you respect... There's somebody you maybe even wish, I wish I could be more like my friend who handles this and does this. And, and there's many guys that actually do want to become like their pastor. And, and, and really what they're saying is, I want to become more like the Lord. I mean, He's God's representative. I'd like to be more like that. So they often select a church because they've chosen a pastor or someone to model themselves after. And they may not be possible, I think, in a larger church settings because once again, this case, we suggest that the pastor surround himself when he's too big. He surrounds himself with white hats. And that leads as many groups as 13 uh, as his ministry demands. And, and once again, I'll explain this in a moment. But the value, the Project 13 has been called the pastor's best friend. And we all know that pastors are some of the busiest people on planet Earth. And as ministry goes, more people equals higher demand for discipleship. And often people are going to <laughs> seek the pastor out and share their darkest secrets in search of help and direction. But once again, right now, I did something brand new that I haven't even told all my people about yet. I, I, I have too many distractions. I, I can't get things done. So I actually now put on my door, I just did it for the first time Thursday. The day before yesterday, what was that two days ago? I put it on my door. I put a please do not disturb and I took my stealer's I probably should have said that. I want to be friends with everybody in here. But I put my Steeler's banner to guard the window, and I got more done in the next three and a half hours than I do in a week. And I thought, so this is what it's like with no distractions. You know, this is pretty cool. So once again, the pastor can't do it all and get done what needs to be done. You've got to work on sermons. You've got to do these things. And discipleship, as you guys know, is a team effort. Guys, we're in this thing together. But Project 13 multiplies the pastor so that men are being discipled 24-7, which once again frees the pastor up for other ministry. It's a team effort. The purpose is to grow spiritually healthy men. Isn't that the whole idea of men's ministry? Okay, the mission is to provide one-on-one discipleship that's relational and will once again uh, uh, with real accountability. And guys, this is the thing too because we're going to get in the meat of it right now. It's taken me this much time, I feel like, to re-enter, kind of give you the concept and, and the idea of it. But I want to get into the meat of it, uh, because this is real accountability um, that is measurable, and I'm still getting ahead of myself. Here's the white hat. He's the guy that trains the blue hats. Go ahead to the next one. Now, these blue hats, once again, are men in your church, and you may only have one. You may not have three. But if you are blessed enough to have three men that you are going to train... How to minister. And once again, I'm going to put that information in your hands. We're going to, once again, work with the White Hats and teach them how to teach the Blue Hats. And then with the Blue Hats, have learned what the White Hat is teaching. And once again, their goal now, they're still going to be involved in all the ministry of the men. But now these are the guys that will take a guy one-on-one, meet him out of Starbucks, take him out for lunch. Once or twice a month, have face contact, one-on-one. And maybe, maybe once a week, you give him a phone call. Is it going to take more time from us? Well, sure it is. But guys, is, is it not worth it? Is that soul not worth it? Is that family not Well, of course it is. So we've trained the blue hats now to, to know even what to say. In fact, they're going to be accountable to the white hat. Every time a blue hat is done ministering to a yellow hat, he gets online and does a survey to see how he feels like his yellow hat's doing and once again, we're talking accountability here. We're talking, that, we're talking that. Let's go to the yellow house. Let's go to the next one. And then all of a sudden, this guy would, would have one. He may just have one. He may just have one guy. He don't have to have three, but he'll never have more than three. The white hat will never have more than three. The blue hats will never have more than three. How many guys is on that board? Thus, Project 13. The white hat and his 12 disciples. It's the same principle that Jesus used, is it not? Right there it is. He, did, he, he didn't do it. Remember how he had his inner circle? Remember he had his guys? And then he had the outer circle. And, and God, God gave us the design. I mean, it was, it's been there. And, and we need to look to those. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew, to those who use well what they're given, even more shall be given. And, and they will have an abundance. I am convinced if we make the effort, the serious effort, and spend the time into it, that we can begin something that God will continue to give an abundance. When we prove ourselves with the one guy or, or two in our church, how important is that? It's a promise from Jesus Himself. And it refers, of course, to stewardship. And He declares if we'll be good stewards over the valuable things that He places in our care, then He will continue to increase that which is under our management. So what is more valuable than the lives of the men that God would entrust to our care? And not just the men in our church. We've got to start there but the men, of course, in our, in our community. Let's go to the next slide, please. And, and so, so guiding is that three maximum, one-on-one, the pastor, and then the value. Let's take a look at that for a moment, uh, the importance uh, of the value, because it's, 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 it, it makes all the difference. Uh, once again, uh, John is asked, if you will. In fact, once again, Jesus says, let me just back up. Jesus said, if we value men, it doesn't matter. If we value the ministry God has placed us in, that He's going to honor it. He's going to continue to send His souls as a result of good stewardship. Or He will take away the ones we have as a result of poor stewardship. So when a man has made the choice to ask for help and he's identified as a candidate for discipleship in Project 13, a white hat, whosoever that group director, will assign him to a blue hat. And for conversation's sake, once again, We could name those guys. Let's just say the blue hat is John. And all of a sudden, uh, the white hat, whose name is Zach, uh, uh, somebody came to the pastor, or he may be the pastor, but he came to the pastor, the pastor says, Hey, Zach, hey, white hat, i got this guy, man, that's really struggling. If we don't help him, his marriage is not going to make it. I just need to spend some time with this guy. So so the blue hat calls him up, and he becomes a yellow hat. He's not called a yellow hat, but he becomes the one that this man pours into. So once again, face-to-face. Spending time and showing somebody that we care. John Maxwell made it, he said it this way It's not what you expect that gets done, but rather what you inspect that gets done. So, once again, we're going to take a look at accountability. Let's go to the next one, if you will. We've talked about the, uh, the, the measure and those kind of things. Go one more for me. Um, we're going to look at Jesus declares the measurability. Let's, let's just look at that one first. Zach, Zach. Zach's heart. He 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 really he really has a desire. But and, and maybe what happens when we begin to measure this, because after you meet with these guys one on one, you're gonna get on your computer, or once again you can have hard copies, but you're gonna fill out a report on this. How how did he respond today? Once again, we share that report. It's downloadable and uh, also we can we, we can share it and make it Make it real. I, I mean, to you, that you guys would have this, the questions to ask. And you really ask the same questions after every one, and you rate them one to ten. You might ask a question to yourself, well, did he open up more this visit? This is our fifth visit. Did he open up more? I mean, and, and you, I mean when the first visit, you had him down to a two, ten being wide open, one barely saying anything. He was at a two. Well, here you are five weeks later, if maybe you're only at a three, guys, we haven't brought him very far. And we need to stop once again. Here's what's great about this, because it's not a program that one person has to do. You might just say, you know what? Uh, this is your blue hat talking. You know what, Mr. White Hat? You know what, Zach? Um, I don't think my personality is really what he needs. I think, maybe, I think maybe this guy over here, one of your other blue hats. Uh, you know, once again, you get this thing built to a place, and, and I think he'd probably relate to him better. And you know what? It's not about us failing or not failing. It's not, this, this is not a program. It's a structure. And we structure it to make it work. So we have to be measurable. We have to be relational. We have to go to the next one for me. Um, relational, accountable, and measurable. And this is what Maxwell was telling us. So once again, uh, we just really encourage you, instill this value. And here's what's going to happen too, guys. The white hat's going to encourage the blue hat to spend some time with God. You know, you've got to spend some time with God, guys. You're, you're talking about a man's soul. We're going to put a man's soul into your care. So, so we're, we're even going to provide some uh, a devotional, if you will. Something that you could put into your blue hat's hand to say, you know, pray about this this week. Uh, do this. You might even put some prayer requests in there. But instill the value of a daily devotion in these guys. And also, they're going to turn right around and instill that in their yellow hat. Guys, you want help? We've we, we got to spend some time with God. Build spiritually strong man Because without a foundation, a solid foundation in the Word of God, he, he's going to fall away again. So... Guys, I'm I'm bouncing here and and just throwing a number of different things at you. But I just really believe that this structure can work in any church. And we're going to make it available. Now, once again, this is not a short-term fix. Guys, this is not something you say, well, I'll try it. Now, this is something you're saying, I'm going to do it. We're going to take this structure, this skeleton, and we're going to build on it. So there's there's research. It's called the Healthy Man Survey. And then there's three approaches to accountability. Uh, This is just some of the resources. Let me throw at you. Uh, Accountability questions, uh, uh, units of measure. Um, And we got even the job descriptions for each one of these guys. Here's an example. For I don't know if I put it up there or not. Hit me me on the next one here, Deb. Yeah, Healthy Man Man Survey. Here we go right here. Is this man moving forward in his faith on a scale from 1 to 10? And, and, and then you're in four or five weeks and you look down and you said, man, look, this guy, I really, I gave him a two or three back here, but man, he's up to a six or seven. This guy's really coming along. Man, thanks, buddy. Sorry. This, this is really happening. And, and, and that's what's important. That's what exactly what we're, we're after and looking for. So this, I guess what I'm saying, guys, uh, what I'm hoping you're seeing here today is that this is something that, that I could do. This is something that we could do this, and, and, and we could see where it, it would bring health to our church. We could see where it would be a, an outreach that would really touch a life. You know? We, we can see it. But, but if we don't market, if, if you will, or, or, or hold men measurable and accountable, then, then it's not going uh, so to happen. Really, so we need to really look at that. And let me just share a quick uh, approach of accountability. Let me go to next, next slide, Deb, if you would. You know, think about this for a moment, and to me, and, and then please don 't take this in an offensive way, but to me, this would be more like uh, uh, well let 's call it the cop accountability, okay, the accountability partner this is the, one of the three things that you can do when you when you are holding your yellow hat accountable, okay and you're holding your blue hats accountable. You can have this cop. Uh, approach the, the, the accountability partner represents law enforcement and we're the law abiding citizen uh, with a proclivity for exceeding the posted behavioral limits when we exceed these limits we turn ourselves over to law enforcement who issues the appropriate citation the avoidance of shame motivates us to do what's right guys honestly this is kind of like the catholic church when you have to go and confess all the time okay I'm wrong, i got to go, I feel shit, this is why I'm doing this, this is my approach. No, that's not the approach we're looking for. Nor are we really looking for the coach accountability. The accountability partner plays the role of an instructor and a trainer and a coach who's going to help manage his lives so we can keep moving forward. And when, and when we fail the coach, uh, he encourages us from, day, from the playbook and sends us back into the game. The approach implies that if we give it enough effort and enough time and enough attention, we can earn a victory over sin and we can make our lives work. Well, once again, guys, you can't do it by yourself. Even if you've got somebody there raw, raw on you, there's a difference. Here's what I'm after, a cardiologist accountability. What we all need in cardiologist accountability, here we move from accountability to accessibility. We expose our hiddenness, but more than that, we acknowledge our brokenness. And instead of trying to manage our sin or be inspired to obey, We recognize our need for transformation. We allow God and a few others to walk into the messiness of our lives. We learn that we are more than the sum of our brokenness. The only requirements for becoming a cardiologist of this kind is a healthy curiosity, a desire uh, to be a caring friend, and a willingness to grow in your understanding of the process of spiritual transformation. Guys, we can help guys change their lives. I can't change anybody's life. Nobody's going to change because I tell them. It's got to be from God. And we're there not to coach them into it and to say, if you're good enough, if you try hard enough. No, we're here to say, if you have a heart change, we can bring you through Jesus Christ. We can bring you to, uh, to life change. We can do that. But you've got to be willing and you've got to challenge these guys in this kind of thing and, and make sure that they're on the same page with you. So there's also an accountability uh, a questionnaire. And then, if you will, look with me for just a moment. Um, I'm going to skip over this one. Go to the next one. Yeah, let's skip over to the next one here and um, um, and to the next one, too. That was a double one, sorry. And once again, very quickly in closing, I'm just going to cap this right here. Uh, We've got about 15 minutes, uh, but I want to give a few times for some questions. The primary responsibility of the blue hat, this is the white hat. In fact, let me back up. Let me share that thought with you, too. The primary responsibility of the white hat is to ensure the health of each blue hat and to hold them accountable for those in his care. It's that simple the white hat, which could be one of you guys, could be your pastor. But you report. If, if it's not the pastor, then you report back to your pastor. But you want to build a strong relationship with the blue hat. You, you want to spend time in prayer for him personally. And you want to make sure you've received that spiritual discipline commitment that once again will be shared. There's so many things going on here, guys. I can't get it all into this session. But, uh, but you'll be encouraging and you'll be there. And then the blue hat, the next hat, he, he's the guy that, that uh, his primary responsibility uh, is to be a good steward with every man entrusted to him. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And I could go on down the line to things that he'll be taught, uh, everything from devotions on, uh, and, and encourage him in that way. But then there's a spiritual discipline commitment you're going to ask out of your white hats and blue hats. So listen, guys, this, this is something that is not just going to be a haphazard. If you're going to do it and you've got men that will commit to it, This is is a ministry that I am confident God will make a difference in your church, through the lives of your men. So there's there's discipleship coaching questions that we're even going to give you on how to listen actively, how to celebrate wins, how to care personally, and uh, on family issue, how how to give you some input on family issues. We're not asking you to be psychiatrists and psychologists. We're just asking you to love guys. We're just asking you to care for guys. Let me tell you the complaint I hear the most most often made by staff members in the church is this. We can't find enough volunteers to help or no one wants to get involved. Anybody in this room ever said that or felt that, if nothing else? Why not stop for a moment and consider this from a different perspective? Maybe it's the leader's fault. And I stand here as a pastor telling you I've said those statements before and I don't know that I've really taken the blame before. Because I am convinced that the more I study, the more I pray, the more I think about things like this, it just may be that I haven't put enough time into men and leaders, women too, of the church to encourage them. Because you know what? How many churches have actually developed a plan to teach the value of serving, to evaluate the people's gifting in your church, to develop a job description, to describe the expectations and to create a volunteer schedule? Josh really hit me today when he was talking about, guys, you need to make your team feel valued. People want to feel valued. And I'm thinking, well, sure we do. We all do. As a pastor, I want to feel valued. We all do. But how how much of an effort am I putting into that? I want you to think for a moment. 80% of people who serve in some capacity will not leave the church. How many people have you plugged in? Well, I can't get them. How many of you took them out to dinner and sat down with them and said, you know, I've already been praying about this. I believe you could do this. I believe you could have this. Give a man a purpose and he'll be willing to live and die for it. it, it it's, it's just the principle. Everyone's be, everyone has been created with gifts and talents on purpose, for a purpose. Guys, your talents aren't by accident. They're on purpose. So as a body part, their purpose is to serve the rest of the body. What happens have any of you ever been hammered and hit the wrong nail? Have you ever done that? Have you ever busted your fingernail? What does the rest of the body do? Oh, oh you yeah. know, and, and your feet's going, go get help. Your eyes are looking, where's the bandit? What can I do here? You know, and, and all of a sudden the whole body gets in the act and the whole body works together to do something about this little member here that's hurting. Have you ever stubbed your little tiny toe, whatever, the smallest part? The whole body, does it not react? Oh, man, it's at every. <laughs> We may think, well, what's the big deal of a little toe? Well, stub that toe or drop something on it and see how the rest of your body reacts. It's a very important part, isn't it? Well, just think about that. The value of serving, it is important that God I I really like that thought. Everyone has been created with gifts and talents on purpose for a that purpose, I believe, is in the church. We've got to teach that our gifts and talents are on loan from our Creator. We've got to teach that. And we must use them in His service. And I think to only uh, use these gifts and talents for personal gain and refuse to offer them back to the King, guys, I, I mean, I think that that, that actually, that's actually would prostitute that which has been given. Because God didn't give us our talents for the world just for ourselves. He gave our talents, did He not, for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God, well guys hey i 've tried my best here uh, in, the, in these few minutes that we've had to try to get the the principle and the thought out and hopefully get the word out that something good is coming, and when we get our with these guys in place and trained um, I mean, I, I just really think it's going to be a good thing. And here, here's, here's even what I'm willing to do as the men's director, as, as the men's co-director. If somebody feels like, you know, I can't wait to these reps. I can't wait a few more. I mean, some things are going on right now. We feel like now. Guys, I will come to your church, and I will sit down with your leaders, and I'd be willing to sit down and pr- walk them through this and train the white hats. I'm talking about the white hats, the guys that you feel um, uh, could, could step up, or even the blue hats. Bring the blue hats and the white hats. Uh, and, and for something like it, be willing to do that. Well, does anybody have any thoughts or, or, or questions? Um, maybe more clarification, uh, if I didn't make that really clear, or, or anything at all. Does anybody have any, any uh, question? Yes, Jim.
0: Talking about the percentage of them that make it uh, compared to the women. The women are doing much better than the men. Forty-eight percent of the men that graduate that follow through are men. It used to be 67%. What is happening? It's part of our culture. The devil loves it. Sure. These are frozen assets. Walking around the church, that and you got it right. You got you did a great job saying it. It's exactly what it
1: need to step up, don't we, I, I don't know if I can't remember now if I made this statement, but this picture made sense to me. Can you imagine? We are in a battle for souls, are we not? And who are we battling against? We're battling against Satan. Can you imagine the laughter from Satan when he looks at the church, charging him and, and sending out the women and the children in front and the men in the back because the men aren't stepping up and once again, I don't want to make men look bad or anything like this. Society's doing that, aren't they? Big time. No, guys, it isn't that it's bad. It's just that when have we really gone after them? I'll tell you what happened. Guys, we went after them for years and we couldn't get them. It didn't work, so we gave up. And we, we, we went after the youth and we went after the children. The women came along, but not the men. Guys, it's time we went after the men. It's times the men were on the front lines, not the women and the children. The
0: you see it. What do you see? women.
1: Yeah. More prayer warriors or women. Men are women. And God can overcome that. That's
0: right. It's going to take him. Holy God.
1: Guys, listen, this is not a miracle thing. It's not like you, you guys, I think you guys can see this is going to be hard work. It's like
0: nuts and bolts.
1: That's right. Yeah. See, the structure's there. Now we've got to put it together. Right. And your DNA, I think it's what makes this one a little unique. It's your DNA that fits in it. Everyone would be different. Everyone. And once again, like I said, you may only have one white hat, and, and you, he's looking, it could be your pastor, I said, and he's going to find one guy in his church. One blue hat that would be willing to kind of head this thing up a little bit and make some of these things happen. And, guys, I think it'd be amazing because that blue hat's going to find him some yellow hats. Craig. You
2: know, Pastor Stevens, you know, the, uh, I'm a dad. I have I have uh, four kids, two of them are daughters, and oldest two are teenage daughters now. And, uh, you know, they got wrong. That's got right. <laughs> Yeah, sure. uh, hormones, you know, they're attractive young girls. And, uh, and I get angry if those boys want to talk to my girls without coming through me. Okay? So here's a thought I have about men's ministry and, um, and what we're seeing in our culture. The church is going after women and children and going around the men. And it feels disrespectful, I think. when I I think it's like backdoor ministry. And I feel like if we we go after men, we're going through the front door. Mm -hmm. And we're doing it right. We're doing it in in a way that is like almost God-designed. It feels like we have circumvented the, the role of putting our primary focus on children's ministries and women's ministries and having involved dad in the process, or the man in the process, and and obviously it's not just church, churches, it's our whole society is sure, yeah. right? Church has just kind of gone with it, so that's kind of my, my thoughts, as a dad I feel it, and as a husband I feel that. I, I want I want my role to be respected and honored, and uh, if I feel that way, and Jesus says, you know to love Somebody is to, the goal of the is to treat them the way I want to be treated, right? Sure. So I think as a church, I mean, this makes sense because I think it just, it, it starts the process of discipleship mm-hmm. in the right order.
1: Yes. Well, guys, I really want you guys to be praying about this. Even if you don't feel like at this time your church, you know, maybe you just, for whatever reason, doesn't think it's at work or whatever. But I still ask you guys to pray about this. And I want you to pray about it for your own local church. Um, And once again, guys, all this is is a tool. There's nothing. This is not rocket science, as you can see. In fact, sometimes I read this stuff and I'm going, you know, I mean, I I knew this stuff, but I just never really put it together. You know, I just never structured it that way. And this makes it a little clearer, I think, a little easier for us to see and take specific steps to make men's ministry work. Yes. Actually uh I popped the North Texas district and
3: saw a little bit of their yeah. little
1: they've
3: got
1: a couple pages on there, so Yeah. No, it's it, we, we downloaded it to our own computers right off right off the internet. He okay. gave us permission to do that. And uh, uh, and once again in fact the, the the cost is so minimal. This guy just says hey, anything you give goes to the West Texas District Council, you know, and uh, so we're not in this to make money. We're in this to cover our expenses and and but the, but the evaluations are all those things. So they're, they're personal.
3: Exactly. It. From that, okay, I'm, I'm
1: sorry. Not yeah. Input in there. yeah. What, what do you
3: see? What's your what's you guys' game plan for officially rolling something? You know, here's the first the first vision here as we're, What's your what do you see as your <coughs> for rolling
1: it? Well. We've already met with the reps that we that have come on board, yep. which is about seven so far out of fourteen. So we're halfway there, and we're still looking for reps in your area. Some of your areas, guys, uh, you might check to see if we have a rep. And they don't all have to be pastors. They don't have to be, you know, youth pastors. So it, no, it could be uh, uh, a layman, a person out of the church that would have an interest uh, to to lead the youth. Of, or, I'm sorry, the men of that area. And there's not a lot of responsibility. There's not a lot of time involved. When you guys train the white hats, the reps for example, uh Josh, well, our goal is to get these reps, we're still working on the reps right now. Once I get my reps lined up, we're going to have this training process, then they're going to come to your areas and share with that area uh, what they would like to accomplish. And I don't have a time frame and it's it's, it's this is just brand new for all of us. Um the only ones who heard it before at least from us was was the rep, the five reps that we had. seven
3: Awesome. Class cause we need the bigger space. So that's our. <laughs> we're, we're like, we need more men
1: coming. That's to awesome. The, Yeah. Well, Josh, I'd be more than, I mean, if you would need me to, or you just, whatever, but I'd be more than glad to come meet with your guys. Or find, you, you find those white hats, blue hats, yeah. you know, some guys that would really, you think might take this thing to, a, to another level. See, that's what makes us. I don't say unique. Well, that's what makes us a structure, and not a program. You can take some of your own DNA, some of the things right there, and it, it would. You could make it fit. You know, Tim. Did you have your hand up?
4: Besides the generalities, you wouldn't want
1: to put anything on there if it's not held to privacy yeah. Well, the only one that I that I think would be important is that your pastor, I mean this is one of his sheep, if you will, one of his uh, persons that come into his church or whatever, that you would let them let them know right up front, say, hey, this is very confidential. The only one that I share anything like this about is our pastor. And uh, and if nothing else, you could even bring that person you know to the pastor. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yep. Now you could do either way, but you can print them off, and there it is. Yeah. You actually, actually, we put together actually a notebook. I mentioned getting online. That is an option, but we'll probably have a notebook. And this is what you do. You make a copy. You get this to your white hat, and yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, guys. Well, hey, our time's up, guys. Thank you. Thank you with all my heart, man, for coming out. And cover this thing in prayer with us, guys. We can make it happen. God bless. Bless you, guys. Thanks for coming, man. Bless you, man. Very much. Hey, yeah, John. It.
2: How, well, do, how do we find out uh, where if there's a rep in our area already? Or um,
1: like your presbyter, we know. You know who maybe who your presbyter is? Yeah, my pastor is. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What yeah. area are you in?
2: Uh, we're in Northwest Ohio. Dan Holbrook, sir.
1: Okay, I'm just trying to think.
2: We live, I live in Walpack, which is Lima, uh, it's north of Dayton, about 45 minutes.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. That's where you're at right now. Yeah. yeah. See, Conan would know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Conan knows almost all the guys. Uh, are, you, are you on staff with them guys? Or are you, are you a I'm the
4: men's ministry leader. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, hey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Josh. Yeah.
1: Uh, um, I don't know. If we don't have somebody there, would you personally have any interest?
2: I think I would, yeah. I'd like yeah. to know more about it, obviously. I'd like to yeah. take some time to pray about it. Right, sure.
1: <laughs> Just like we did, man. That's <laughs> where right. Are you, <laughs> hey. Where are you in?
2: Uh, like Northwest Ohio, Lima.
3: Oh, you're in uh, Central West Central. Right, right, well, yeah. West you're
5: Central. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in, you're, he'd be West Central, with, yeah, so over there, so I'm Northwest. Good afternoon, gentlemen. And I, my name is Debbie Heaton, and I am the host for this session, and if you have any questions, I'm here to help you. Uh, we'd like to welcome you to this um, session of Jesus' Model for Men's Ministries, and it's b- being presented by Pastor Keith Stevens. Um, I would like to ask if you have your cell phones on, if you would turn them off, or if you have any other electronic devices that could be a distraction for anyone be, um, around you. Um, again, you are in the session for Jesus' Model for Men's Ministries, and Pastor Keith is um, a co-director of the men's ministry with his son, Conan, and he's also the lead pastor at Grace Fellowship Church in Canton, Ohio. And if you need to reach him You know, to ask any questions about today's presentation, I am going to give you his email address if anybody would like to write that down, and that is kstevens14 at yahoo.com. So again, kstevens, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, or 14, at yahoo.com, okay? So at this time, it is my honor and privilege to introduce not only my pastor, but the presenter for today's session. Pastor Keith Stevens.
1: You guys clap now, okay? But hopefully at the end of this session, (laughs) you might feel the same way. Well, hey, guys, it is an honor today to stand before you. And in fact, on behalf of my son, who wasn't able to be here, he's speaking at a leadership conference over in uh, either North Carolina or Virginia. Um, But he and I are the co-men's directors, we're brand new at this, and we're really excited about our game day coming up. Let me just quickly invite you and remind you about game day. Uh, It's going to be April 4th and 5th, it's going to be in Grove City at the Nazarene Church there in Grove City, seats about 3,300, so uh, okay, it'd be great if we could fill that place, but we'll see what God has planned. We've got some great things going on at that uh, game day. And the one thing is, we want you to be sure and get there a little early, because we're having a tailgate party, that uh, a whole lot of things planned. Guys, are even having um, inflatables for guys, and I can't quite picture that uh, in my mind, but I'm sure they got something that's going to be a whole lot of fun. They're going to have everything from live bands to cornhole. Uh, I know they got a baseball pitch; see how hard you guys can throw, how fast uh, you can throw, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Also, a lot of food. Going to have a lot of cooking out, things like that. Uh, tailgate um, grills and also there'll be some carts brought in there. Some guys like to do at, uh, what, state fairs and stuff like that. So plan to eat there. And once again, really pray for the weather on Friday, April the fourth. We would appreciate that. But guys, that night we're really going to challenge the men. We're really um, we're going to challenge them. Everybody's going to be there that night. Is going to be handed a baton like they use in the track. Um, And what we're we're going to really be sharing and and emphasizing is that men are going to be handing off something to their children, to that next generation. We have to be intentional about what we're handing off. So we're going to be really uh, sharing. There's going to be four generations that's going to be sharing what they've handed off to that next generation. And then that next generation, you can actually see some results of, of those that's handed off something Um, to their children so we really want to encourage men for that we're also going to be giving men on Saturday we're going to be giving them their man card and um, now we're going to write on there I don't know if we're going to put a phone number or what but we don't want your wives calling saying we got to come and take your man card away. okay you guys are going to have to man up here and and do some good things but there's a really great challenge that goes along with that as well and uh, as you're encouraged to carry that man card in your wallet and uh, be the man that God's called you to be. Well, guys, let me share with you right from the beginning here. This is something that that Conan and I have actually come across as we were looking for something. I went to uh, Pastor Wooten and a number of the guys there at the network office. I said, hey, guys, I need a men's model in the state of Ohio. Come on, man, give me a a men's model that I can go and take around the whole state and say, this is our model, man. This is what we're doing. John goes, okay. um, um." And I'm serious, guys. And I'm thinking... Well, wait a minute. And that's not to say there's not some ministers out there. But at that moment, John could not think of any. And then I said, uh, well, then I went to John Musgrave. Hey, John, wait. You? Uh, you know what? Guys, we couldn't come up with one... Uh, um, ministry in the state of Ohio that we could use as a model to take around and show other areas and churches and say, guys, maybe we could do this. If you guys try this model. So Conan and I then got to thinking about that because we wasn't planning on doing anything about that, really, other than if we got a model where we could refer you to that church. Give them a call. They'll hook you up. And we was going to call the church to see if they'd be willing to do that. But we got to thinking about it and so said, you know what? We need to find something. We need to find a model that we could present to the Ohio Network that if a church is interested in beginning a men's ministry, that we could put them up and, and hook them up with a model or a structure to do that. So we went to the National Men's Convention hoping to find something like that and couldn't find, nothing was going on, nothing being taught or anything being said. I even went to some of the national officials, right? And guys, I'm serious. They said, oh yeah, there's some really great ministries across this nation. I said, well, give me, tell me one of them. Uh, <laughs> guys, I was amazed at that. And, and I got to thinking, guys, we're, I mean, this isn't just here in Ohio that, that we're not really checking and looking into something as important as men's ministry. You know what I think's happened? I think over the years, we tried years and years ago. Guys, I've been around a long time here. We tried years ago pushing men's ministry, and we just couldn't seem to make it work. So what did we do? We went after the youth ministry. We went after the children's ministry. And how big has WM's been for years? They're kind of falling a little bit, but for years it was the ladies in our, in our area, the ladies in our church. And, and, but who went after the men? Well, it was much more difficult to go after the men, so I don't know. I think sometimes, I think we might, have, we might have given up. But I think it's time for us to take a look back and to see the importance of a men's ministry. So what I'm going to share with you today, I'm not going to share. I'm sharing you with what's coming down in the future. What I'm looking at right now is we're in right now, Conan and I, we're, we're searching out and finding our reps in all 14 areas. I only have seven of them so far. But we're going to explain to the reps before they become a rep what we're asking of them. It's not going to be a token position. It's going to be something that we're going to ask them to step into ministry. And it doesn't have to be a pastor. It doesn't have to be an associate. It could be a lay person that has the heart for men. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour into our reps, and we're going to teach them Project 13 that I'm going to explain to you in these next few minutes. And we're going to introduce and train our reps to come into your area, whatever area that is. And if there's churches in that area that want to begin a men's ministry, they've got to be serious about it. But if they want to, then we're going to share with them a structure that they put their own DNA in. So let me say it again. I'm not going to share with you a program. This is not a program. This is a structure. Programs work in some places. But this is a structure that you put your own DNA in. And I'm going to share that with you. But Jesus did give us a direct command. He gave us a direct command. And before leaving, He said, "You, you go and make disciples of all men. He did not say go and make converts. Think about that, guys. He didn't say go get people saved. He said, you go and make disciples of these men. And he said, making a convert, in fact, let let me say this, making a convert is often simple and quick, but making disciples is never simple or quick, but it is the master's command. So I'm going to share with you in the first few minutes the reason why I believe that not just myself, but why we need to have men's ministry. Converts, here's what happens. Converts change their belief system. Disciples practice living out their belief system. Tell me there's not a difference. Converts attend church and listen to sermons. Disciples apply what they hear. Converts retain rights and change only some behavior. Disciples relinquish rights and become world changers. And guys, I, I mean, I don't think you could argue that point. Right there it is. And we, we are, we're all about getting people saved. But guys, we need to not only get people saved, which obviously is of utmost importance, but then we want them to stay, so we want them to stay with God, is what I'm saying. We want them to walk, and and they have to be discipled, and that, that is a very important thing. So Project 13, uh, men was created to assist in developing a one-on-one relationship. And guys, here's, here's what we're after. The bottom line is the fact that you get a bunch of women together, and I realize a lady just stepped in, but... You get girls together, that's okay, you're welcome, and we have a lady with us. But you get a bunch of girls together, and they love to talk, right? And they laugh, and they even cry, and they, do, and they even go to the bathroom together. Come on, guys. You get a bunch of guys together, we're not going to do those things, you know? And we're not, I mean, we'll laugh and have fun, but we're not going to cry. We're not going to get personal. How about when the girls get together, oh, they get all this, oh, yes, and I do, and they get all this personal stuff. Guys, we're not like that. We don't do that. To get a guy to open up and talk to you about something serious, we've learned that you've got to get one-on-one because he's not going to open up in a crowd. But there's chances that he will open up in a one-on-one relationship. So our goal is going to be uh, putting, stepping toward that very thing. But this one-on-one thing uh, is what we're looking to become relational discipleship with real accountability and measurability where you can actually tell if this guy's progressing or if this person is really getting help from this one-on-one. Now understand, this whole program is not based on one-on-one. This whole program, not there I call it a program, I'm sorry, it's not a program. This whole structure is based on getting men together and discipling them. And the next step would be with some of these guys that are struggling that you're able to get one-on-one so you can help them with their struggle and you can help them walk them through that. So here's what happens. We've got, in this situation here, We've got, um, I need that next one. It didn't show up. There we go. We've got the problem. Okay, we've got the problem. And here's, the, here, here's one of the main problems. The pastor cannot disciple everyone in the church. He can't even disciple all the men in the church. He can't. So the answer, and Project 13 surrounds the pastor with men that can help disciple men. In fact, this ensures that men are growing men. And seven days a week, pastors and churches are seeing really this powerful impact uh, of godly men. And and this is what our goal is to do that. And and one of the strategies, it's said that less than uh, 10% of, um, of American churches have any form of ministry to men. Guys, what you know, and once again, I can't believe as pastor, I haven't... This, is, this has opened my eyes, guys. In, in the last few months that I've been reading these things, I'm thinking, how true. Less than 10% of American churches have form of ministry, ministry to men. Satan himself is aware of the power of godly men. For decades, he's done everything in his power to stop the efforts of pastors and church leaders from tapping into men's ministry. And, of course, we might ask, does Satan really have that kind of power to hinder ministry? Well, we know that's absolutely true. In fact, even Paul was, was telling the church at Thessalonica, I wanted to come to you again and again Satan hindered me. Of course he can hinder. So once again, we've got to rise above that and, and do some things that's going to make a difference in that. So, Let's go to the next slide. Uh, Satan knows the potential of spiritually healthy men. He has heavily guarded the area of men's ministry and made it seemingly impenetrable, a stronghold. Can you guys see this? Can you even look back in the history of your church or even the history of, of, of the Assemblies of God, if you will? And I'm sure it's not just us. But I'm telling you guys, the men has not been where our efforts have been. It's harder to reach men. So? Does that mean we don't try? Does that mean we give up? And let me tell you something else. This this what I'm going to suggest to you. If a church will come forward and say, you know what, to your rep in that area, say, I'm, I, I want to start this. I, I'm going to give it a try. Well, see, we're missing it already. Because what I want to share with you is not something we're going to try. It's something we're going to do. We're going to take this structure... We're going to put our DNA in it. We're going to take this skeleton, if you will, put our meat and sinews and, and ligaments and everything in it to make it work. And, and I really believe that God, that God can use this. I'm, I'm confident that He can. Let's go to the next one, Debbie, please. If we win a child to Christ, 3.5% of the time the family will follow. You win a woman, 17% of the time. If you win a man to Christ, 93%. Guys, that is a statistic that is proven that men are are the ones that's going to really make it happen. But yet, once again, what is the emphasis that we as a church, and I'm I'm doing it right now, I've got a youth pastor, we've got children's leaders, I don't really have a men's leader. And that's changing, because I'm going to apply this, and I'm figuring we're going to have to have a model, well, I'm not sure we're going to be the model, but you know what, we're going to do this to see if we can at least uh, begin to look and see what God could do through a ministry like this. Because I believe that God can do some great things with that. So once again, uh, as we look to these things, if you have no men, uh, for example, to be the spiritual leaders, just say, you know, most of the time we don't think we have anybody. So we don't think anybody's really stepped up. Well, Pastor, I- I've asked people. Our pastors come to us and said, man, we need somebody to lead the men. Who will step up? And nobody stepped up. Well, guys, I just wonder sometimes, and I'm speaking as a pastor now since I am one, okay? I'm speaking as a pastor. And, and the thought with that is this. Um, I'm saying that there is no, um, I want to make sure i got this on. guys. I want to make sure um, that, is it the people's fault? Am I blaming them because they won't volunteer? Am I blaming them because I can't get them to do anything? Or do I step back and say, hey, wait a minute, Pastor. What have you done to train them? What have you done to disciple them? What have you done to encourage them? What have you done? Have you taken them out to dinner? Have you spent time one-on-one with them? And say, you know what, I believe you can do this. I really believe that you can make this happen. Have we shown them and given them value that they could actually do so? Oh, Pastor, I don't know. No, no, you don't understand. I prayed about this. I really believe the Lord's laid you in my heart. I believe you can do this. And you want to know what? I'm not just going to throw it at you. I'm going to show you how. I'm going to train you in this. And me and you together, we're, we're going to make this happen. And I'm going to explain that in just a few moments because we're going to use a construction theme. And I'm going to talk to you about a white hat, a blue hat. And some yellow hats. And I'll explain that as we get a little bit closer here. But we may say those questions. We have no men to be spiritual leaders. Uh, we, we've left the fight. I really believe we have. I think we've left the fight uh, to the weaker vessels. And I think sometimes we're even poverty. I think churches are poor sometimes because the men aren't coming to church and they won't let their wives put the tithes and offerings in. Oh, I ain't giving them my money. You ain't get, what are you talking about? Well, this man doesn't even really have the concept. He don't know what's happening. Nobody's ever told him anything. Nobody's ever gone after him, if you will. Guys, let me tell you this. Are we not in a battle against Satan? Are we not in a battle for the souls of people, not just men? So here's what I'm seeing, and I've seen in the past. And unfortunately, I'm telling you this even from experience. I see that it's the women and the children that's on the front lines of our churches fighting against hell, and the men are sitting in the back. What enemy would not want to see that kind of army come after us? What enemy would not want to see the men in the back and he's sending the women and children out to fight the battles? Guys, it's time that men stepped up. It's time that men took the positions they need to take. And guys, once again, if nobody's going after them, if nobody's trying to reach them, oh, well, we've tried a few things. You know what? We try a lot of times. And, and I've even had people say, oh, man, hey, yeah, we got a men's ministry. We meet uh, once a month for a breakfast. You know what? That's great. But that's fellowship. That's not discipleship. We need to have specific, intentional, on-purpose discipleship. Guys, how important is that? Let me share another statistic with you real quick. Eighty percent of young men in prison today had no positive male influence in their life. Eighty percent. Guys, that's, I mean, that's, that's just wrong, and that's scary, too. And listen to this, I can't remember the exactly I think it was around 72 to 75 percent of men who become serial killers had no positive male influence in their life. Seventy-two percent. Guys, there's something wrong with that picture, man. But I tell you not even what's wrong with it, look what's right about it. If the men had stepped up, if they would have had a positive, they may not have end up in jail. They may not even end up as serial killers because they had a positive male influence. So how important is the male influence in the home, and how important would that male influence be, should be, in the church? So, guys, we're, we're, we're looking at this, guys. We're, what's that? It is, absolutely. Absolutely. But the men aren't stepping up. But maybe it's because we're not really giving them an opportunity to. And we can't make anybody step up, can we? But we can sure make some things happen. I'm going to talk to you in just a few minutes uh, a, a little bit on, on on maybe even how to do that. But right now I'm trying to get across the point, and I think, I think we all got it. Guys, there's a reason why we need to go after the men in our churches and our communities. And even the good men in our churches that's not doing nothing, okay? We, we, need to, we need to do something about that. And um, uh, this is something that I'm, I'm going to share the fact about our DNA, uh, Think about it. We can only produce what we are. That's why I'm not introducing you to a program. I'm going to introduce you to a structure that you take your DNA, that's unique to to the personality and the geographical location that you live in, and this simply provides a structure that will house your ministry DNA. So once again, it's not something you just try. It's not something that's a program that worked at another church. Now this has worked at many churches, but they're all different. Because they've all put in their own DNA. So, so keep that in mind um, as we continue to look at that. Let's take a look now at making uh, the connection. The first step in developing a, a well-rounded, I think, men's ministry is to connect men to men. So guys, hey, what can we do in our church to connect men inside the church first? I think before we look outside, we need to stop and just take a look on the inside of our church. Guys, who's here? Who's here? Who do we have in our church that, that we need to get connected? And then give them avenues that provide these opportunities to connect with men in their communities. Let's start in the church. And I think once we get the men in the church connected, then we reach out. Because if we think about it, guys, if we don't have it together, God's not going to send them. God's not going to send a bunch of outside men to come in that they can later say, Oh, we tried that, and it didn't work. We tried that. Oh, I went to a church one time, and ah, oh, man, that's not my thing. No. We want it ready so when they come the first time, and God's going to send them, that He has the opportunity. We're going to give the opportunity for Holy Spirit to get a hold of these guys. I can't make them come back, but I can be their friend. I can connect with them, you know, I can and, and find out some things that you know that they like. Uh, men in the church, uh, and then let's look at men in the community. Once again, let's start out with the church. Well, And listen to this statistic for men in the church. Statistics tell us that men who connect to other men within the church are 60% less likely to leave the church. I got a buddy there. Yes. Can I
3: Certainly. You. Can we get a copy of what you're overhead? I don't have to try to write everything down. I can listen, what you saying? I got you.
1: And then it to that. You know I've got it actually downloaded right there on that computer. I could probably just download it to or send it to your email or something like that. But let me tell you guys something too. Now here's something too I mentioned to the first group. What I'm sharing with you is, is, is not immediate, at least from our perspective. But some of you may be ready right now. God's got your guys prime and it's time to go. Um, I just what we're going to do is train the reps to come to your area so your guys can meet with them reps and they can train them. If you need that sooner than that, uh, I personally would be more than willing to come and sit down with your guys and, 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 and once again walk them right through this stuff. but I will be more than happy to give you this information, too. It's, it's just not complete, obviously. But, but at the same time, uh, we're going to be sending guys to your area that, that will be willing to sit down with, your, with anybody in your church, your pastor, your uh, uh, a leader of the church in some way, somebody that, that your pastor believes is, is, is you know, a, I mean, a man that's mature in his faith and so on and so forth that could step in and be trained as that white hat. Yes, You know what? That's exactly what I'm even sharing with you guys from today. You could actually get on the Internet even now and pull Project 13 up. And uh, um, I don't believe this book. He just came out with a book like like a week and a half, maybe two weeks now, that he finally put this into the And Once again, guys, Conan and I met this guy at that. I don't think I finished through with that conversation. He met with a guy when we was at the National Men's. He's from West Texas. He's the men's director from the West Texas uh, Assembly of God District Assembly of God, and he's had been using this for a year or two and just had some really good results, but he said it still boils down to the local church. The guy's taking it serious and making it happen by putting their own DNA. You've got to build your own. You've got the skeleton. You've still got to put everything on it to make it work, but yes, this book is actually, I'm sure, available that you could, that you could get a copy of this, and, uh, and once again, guys, as you're going to find out, this isn't rocket science. You guys can do this. We want to make it available. We want to make it so available that we'll even train and teach and walk your guys through this. But, or once again, guys can do it yourself. Your own pastor could do this. Your leader could do this. But you've got to get them together and obviously then begin to put this structure. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you the rest of this here. Uh, but it's imperative, I think, that we create soft entry points for the men in the community, even the men in the church. A number of my guys, we, we love to hunt. And... Um, you know, one thing that you could do for your hunters, you could say, Hey guys, take your mounts off your wall. Go get your deer heads, man. Go get your turkeys. We're going to bring them in on a Saturday. Hey, tell your friends, all your hunting buddies, tell them to come on out, man. We're going to serve venison. Some of you guys went out and got some elk cut, man. We're going to have a great time. Bring them all in. To me, that's a soft entry point. No intimidation. In fact, why are they coming? They're coming because these guys are going to show off their deer heads, man. They're going to come. Tell me, we want to hear their story. Tell us how you shot this buck, man. What was the story behind it? And anybody that's hunters, Man, just give them a chance to tell you how they shot their deer, you know? Okay, now that's just one thing. That's something I've only appeal to guys that like to hunt. You may have guys, you know, we do Top Gun. You may find a little tool that, another soft country. In fact, guys, listen, man, we, we have Top Gun. This year, we're going to go a little bit farther. We're going to try to have it in four places in the state this year, where if you've got guys in your church that like to shoot pistols, um, once again, that's going to be in your information, at, uh, and I want to encourage you guys to get the game days coming up. It's going to be on your game day packet. We're having a softball tournament coming up. Only take the first 12 teams. We're going to have to see who, you know, challenge the Assembly of the God guys here, bring in some teams, having a lot of fun with that. It's also a fundraiser for uh, Light for the Lost. But, but, when, you, but when you come in, uh, whatever it is, you need to put it out an example if it's something they like. But I had a man in my church. His wife couldn't get him to come to church. And if she heard us, we're going to go out and shoot guns, top guns. She told her husband, she goes, hmm. And his attitude, well, I guess I can put up with a bunch of Christians if they're shooting guns. You know, I don't have to, you know, whatever. Well, he comes out and he shoots with us. And after we're done, I mean, we're laughing. We're talking to this guy like we knew him forever. Of course, you know what Christians do. I mean, friendly people, right? And we were just connecting. And we get back, we're having lunch. And he walked up and he said, Pastor, I speak to you, man. I didn't even know his name at that time. I said, yeah, yeah. I mean, he introduced himself earlier, but I'm bad with names. Anyway, he comes up. He said, yeah. He said, um, I said, sure, but what's up? He goes, you know, you Christians are, you guys are like real people. I, go, what? I said, what? And here's a man that somehow, and he was as serious as he could be. I mean, he's my yeah, I mean, you guys are just, he said, I don't know. I thought you guys were uh, you know, religious and just. He said, man, I, mean, I, I really had a good time, Pastor. I want to thank you for that. Well, that man started coming to church, and he gets saved. And within six months, he found out he had stage four cancer, and he passed away. But that man, through a soft entry point, if you will, through something we did that brought men into the church that didn't intimidate him, it was something to get him there. And you know what? We got one-on-one before he passed away. We got one-on-one because he was serious about this. But you know what? He came through something as, as simple. Now, now, once again, he may not like hunting, but he likes to shoot pistols. And one guy may like to shoot pistols you know, or like to hunt don't like to shoot pistols. We use shotguns and rifles. You know. But it doesn't matter whatever it is. You may have techies. You may have golfers. You may have all kinds of things making, uh, making these connections. So what begins to happen is, guys, you just got to get him there. But don't start out here. Start in, in-house. Doesn't that make sense? Start in-house. Get what's going on. And then decide, you guys sit down with the in-house guys. How can we get more guys to come? Maybe we can start a bowling league. Somebody loves to bowl. Hey, let them find out that Christians actually do things like bowl, and they're like real people. Okay? They're just normal people. And it's amazing that what can happen. Let's go to the next one, Deb, please.
4: There
1: it is. Let's look for a moment at some strategic uh, connections once again. Um, What if you took a moment to determine the kind of men, once again, that we already have? And there can be multiple interest groups according to the size of the church organization. Never be discouraged that everyone doesn't participate in every event. Even if two or three men make a strategic connection, it's a win. Guys, say you invite all the men of the church and only two show up. Well, let me ask you this. If 20 showed up, would those two still be in the 20? So if the other 18 guys didn't show up, but two of them did, why would that be any less important to reach those two guys just because they're not surrounded by 18 more guys? They're just as important as if there was eighteen. Are you with me on that? Doesn't that make sense? You you, you reach, and, and once again, sometimes we even start small groups, and when they're small, we're discouraged. <laughs> It's called a small group. Is that supposed to be small? Yeah, but I thought we'd have at least twelve to fifteen. We only got six or eight. It's a small group. And if you got to start out guys small, hey, those two guys are that important. So we need we need to do that. Go to the next one for me. Let me take a look here. For example, here's just a few a few suggestions. You might have men's night out. You might just get together and say, Hey guys, let's go out here to the batting cages, or let's go over here, uh, it doesn't matter. Let's go fishing, you know, let's get some guys to go fishing. And you get a men's night out, you guys, you, what, what are you doing? You're connected. That's another one of those soft points. Bowling, golf, motorcycle. We've got a bunch of guys in our church who rides motorcycles. motorcycle. So, you know, there's all kinds of things. You, hiking, gamers, father, son. I'll tell you what, if we're really emphasizing children, let's have a father-daughter dinner and see if that little girls won't bat them eyes and that daddy will bring up, okay? And maybe get there introduced to you guys somebody. So, once again, it's your DNA. You guys might have great softball. Now you guys might really be into softball, man. Can't seem to get them to do anything else, but we get them out every summer in softball. Well, there you go. Have something for that team, not just to play in ball, but bring them together so that they have the possibilities of actually connecting. And the next thought is, if you guys are going to plan something, guys, you got to put it in stone. Guys are not going to come, and, and, and you know what happens? I think most men's ministry uh, perishes on the back of good ideas because but that are mismanaged. We didn't put it on the calendar. And guys today, they need it in stone. You can't just say, hey, you know what? Hey, we're going to have this one day, you know. I'll let you know when that happens. And then the whole summer goes by that never happened. And guys, we've all been there. But what we need to do is we need to get it on the calendar. Now, once again, guys, I could take some time to slide. Go to that next one. And we can start telling you uh, the conflict, the commitment. Conflict being get together with your church staff, to make sure you guys aren't conflicting, that you're not having two big events on the same day. And then the commitment is that you're going to put it in writing, you're going to put it on the calendar, and you're going to make it happen. Guys, you need to consider that men that already exist in your church, as I said, and, and all kinds of things that you can do with that. So you need to find the commitment side. Go to the next one. And... Uh, and Once again, one of the suggestions is, uh, and I'll, I'll show you an example. But uh, everything in red is national events. When you hand these countdown, all you gotta do is you know if it's red, it's gonna be national. You know if it's blue, it's gonna be the the network, uh, uh, the district. You know if it's yellow, uh, then it's gonna be seasonal. And I can't believe what my wife just did. You know, my wife doesn't always get her priorities in line with mine. Maybe that's different. She planned a trip, a vacation, which I didn't catch. We're leaving on the first day of turkey season. I'm, guys, I, but you know what she told me? I said, honey. She said, well, I'm going to Florida. You can stay hunting if you want to. Oh, yeah. That ain't exactly how it works because my son's getting married and I'm doing the wedding, so I have to go. But, but the point is, okay. The point is, you can do seasonal things. You can look and see when turkey season is. You might look and see when bow season comes in if you've got hunters. I'm just using that as an example. Hey, guys, let's get together and practice our bows. Let's get our bows out and, uh, and start practicing for bow season. Bring them together for something like that. You know what you could do? Guys, how, you know how inexpensive it would be to put some horseshoe pits in at your church? Inexpensive. Hey, hey guys, you know what I'm going to do for a few weeks? Hey, let's, kinda, let's just get together and play horseshoe. Hey, bring something, man. You know, bring a dish, some something, whatever. Hey, the guys that really enjoy that kind of thing, they, maybe they don't play softball, maybe they don't hunt, but maybe they like horseshoes. So you see how your DNA fits? You have to find what your guys want and what your guys do. Let's go to the next one. And the next one. Okay, Let's go down here to the growth strategy for a moment. Here's what I'm going to share now, guys. I brought you to this point and shared kind of all... Uh, the reasons why, and some of the ideas that you could get maybe to do your own DNA thing. I want to really emphasize how important your DNA is and your guys are that might relate to. Now I want to talk to you about this growth strategy here. Uh, Look what did Jesus himself do. Give me another word for inclusivity. What would be another word for that? Uh, What is it? Yes. Right. And maybe even Yep, isolation, uh, bringing it, you know, nobody else bringing it in and making it, well, making it exclusive. Because this is what Jesus did. Yep, that that would work. (laughs) We're aware that this concept is difficult for most leaders. You want to know why? Because our goal has always been to reach the multitude. And in men's ministry, this has proven completely ineffective. Guys, you don't really go out and just bring a bunch of guys in. It seems like you've got to be specific. You've got to bring them in for a reason. We can't just get them together. It seems to me, in fact, we're doing something different this, this, this time. In fact, we start Monday. Uh, in fact, Debbie, she's my admin at the church, and she's organized our connect groups, which is small groups. And this time we're doing something totally different. I'm taking the men. I'm, I'm doing a, a class just for the men. Well, my wife's doing one for the ladies. And as soon as she gave the title, do you remember what the title is? Becoming Myself. Becoming Myself. Well, I'm a competitor, but she's got quite a few more signed up than I do, okay? And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah right? <laughs> So I've I'm still, I'm still got another, I've got Monday, I've got Sunday is what I've got, okay? And I'm going to find some more guys. But you know what? She just opened that up to the girls like that, and bam, me, I get up and give a spiel. Come on, guys, join me here. And it's like pulling teeth. She just goes up, girls, we're going to find out who we are. <laughs> Sign them all up, right? Well, there's another difference between guys and girls, okay? Girls are just, I mean, they really enjoy uh, the togetherness. They really, where guys, you've got to be more specific. It's, it's just the nature um, of, of that individual. But Jesus showed us something. He picked 12 men, and he took them aside, didn't he? And he traveled with these 12 guys everywhere he went. He isolated them to a point, but he did send them out there for a while. But he brought them back, and he trained, and he taught, and he did this. He, he focused on this. So once again, this discipleship strategy, uh, it works, uh, the main focus is this, is to provide a structure to promote one-on-one discipleship. Now, that's not all it is. You don't want to just focus on one guy and everybody else goes aside. No, we're focusing on the guys, but while we're with these guys, we're looking for chances and opportunities to get a one-on-one with these guys. And, we're go- and, and I'm going to explain what we do after we find these one-on-one guys. Um, I'm going to skip over here a little bit, Debbie, if you would. Um, and, um, um, yep, just, I, I even want you to go, through, well, no, never mind, back up, back up. I just changed my mind again. I just want to be real careful in our time, guys. I want to make sure I've got time to really explain this for you guys. Here's what I want to share with you. I want to share um, what a white hat does. Well, The way this system is set up, and I'm going to give it to you very quickly, but this is it in a nutshell. The white hat. The primary responsibility, and we're going to use this construction theme like I told you, the white hat uh, is, the, is to ensure the health of each blue hat, that I'll explain in just a moment, is going to hold him accountable for those that's in his care, that we're going to call the yellow hats. So the white hat builds a strong relationship with the blue hat. He spends time with the blue hat, that I'll explain in a moment, personally. He makes personal care care. Uh, um, He doesn't assume the health of the blue hat. He is here to minister to the blue hat. Let's go to the blue hat real quick. The blue hat, uh, um, yes, this man, the white hat. Now listen, guys, a lot of times that's your pastor that's going to pour into uh, and disciple the blue hats and train the blue hats because the blue hats are the ones that's going to go one-on-one. The pastor doesn't have time to go one-on-one with every man in the church. He cannot do it. So he needs some blue hats. These blue hats are the ones that's going to take the time to spend with these guys. And his primary responsibility is to be a good steward with every man that's entrusted to him. Guys, as a pastor, I get people come to my office, guys coming and saying, I'm having a real struggle with pornography, man. I don't want it. I'm addicted. I, I need help. I'll get another guy come in and say, Pastor, my marriage, man, if something don't happen, I don't think my marriage is going to make it. And, and someone else would come in and says, I, 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 I think I'm going to be losing my job, Pastor. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And you got all these things these guys are facing. And once again, here's what happens with a pastor. The first guy comes in, and you're working with him. And then this guy comes in, and his marriage is falling apart. Well, what we, got, what we do is we haven't got time to keep setting up all these different appointments, so all of a sudden... All of a sudden the first guy gets kind of pushed back and this other guy gets in front of him because he's hurting right now. And then this other guy comes in. And guys, we, we, we totally get overwhelmed. But if a white hat, if a pastor or the leader, whoever would become this person, that the pastor would certainly trust because this guy is the guy that makes it happen, the white hat. If he could find uh, uh, the white hat that would be willing to pour into these blue hats and encourage them and say, hey, how serious are you about overcoming your pornography problem?" I mean, I mean if, you're not, if you're going to play games, I don't want to talk to you, but how serious are you? Well, i got a man that's going to come alongside you. i got somebody that I trust, that you can confide in. I guarantee you it will go no farther. The only one he'll talk to about that is me as the pastor, but this man can help you. He's not a doctor. He's not a psychiatrist. But I'll tell you what, this man, this man will hold you accountable. This man will walk with you through this and help you. And if that man says, I'm serious about this, then I would plug him. Just say I'm the white hat right now. I'm going to plug him into one of my blue hats. I might not even have three blue hats. I might only have one blue hat. But my goal is to try to, to work it out where one white hat would have three blue hats. But if I got one guy, and right now I just asked the guy last week to be my blue hat. Yes.
2: Yep. It just seems like
1: And that's true. And what I'm hoping is that something like this, if the man's really serious, then this guy can walk in and hold him accountable. So it, you know, this guy here would meet with that guy at least face to face a couple times a month. So this guy's got to be committed, got to understand before he does it that this is a God thing. He believes this is what God wants him to do. And he's going to spend that time with these guys. He's going to take the time to spend at least twice a month, even if it's just over coffee and Starbucks, no matter what, even if it's just, hey, you know what, Uh, let me buy you lunch today. I'll pick you up at work, whatever, and spend a few minutes. But here's the deal, and I'm going to share this with you in a little bit. There's accountability. There's things that we will show you to put into these men's hands to help them with that walk. But the blue hat is going to be in contact with that yellow hat. He's going to be talking to that boy. Let's go to the yellow hats real quick. The yellow hats is the hurting guys. These are the guys we're trying to get one-on-one. They may be Christians or they may not be Christians. Even if, even if they're Christians uh, struggling with some of these things, we need to help them with their walk. Too many times we just said, Psh, good luck, man, you need to quit that. God can help you with that. Well, God don't seem right here right now. Don't some people feel that way? God can work through you, though. You, you're going to be God's rep in this as a blue hat. These guys are key. This guy is a su- very key to the success too because he holds these guys accountable. And once again, when these guys meet with one guy, he may not have three. He may only have one guy. It may be a year and he's still only got one guy. That's all right. At least one guy is opened up and is willing to try to get help. Right now, that's better than no guy. That's more than this guy was getting. And, and, and once again, this guy has a report he fills out every single time he meets with this guy. And we're going to have measurability, if you will, We're going to measure this guy's walk. It's going to be the same questions every week, but the questions are, for example, did he open up? How much did he open up in this visit? You might put a three from one to ten, one being the the least and ten being the most. He might have had a three, but you might be five, six months down the road and you reevaluate, you know what? He's about up to a six now. So things are happening. This guy's starting to open up now. This thing's starting to happen. So once again, we're going to be able to measure if we're really helping this guy or not. And you know what might happen? You might have a couple blue hats. This guy might be working with this blue hat, and there's no progress. And this guy might needs to be open and honest enough, which will be trained by this guy. Hey, your personality might not be what this guy needs. Maybe your experiences and your giftedness is not what this guy needs. Maybe this guy has the ability of the gifted areas to be able to reach this guy. Let's move this yellow hat down with this guy with his permission. That we say, hey, you know, I got other guys even walk through some of those things. Let me hook you up with him. And once again, guys, the biggest challenge—and it's not—it shouldn't be—is finding these guys, finding the guys that you can trust in. But I am confident that if you look to your church, that God has placed. You think God hasn't placed the right leadership in our churches? Does He not want our churches to succeed? Sure, He does. And He's not going to plant a church, place a church there, and then not equip it. It's a God thing. They're there. We gotta figure them out. Josh just shared something in that first session. My son Josh spoke out here uh, in the first session that I got to hear him and he's talking about, it. he said, Man, I couldn't find any volunteers. I couldn't find He said all of a sudden, he said, all of a sudden I, I changed direction. I started talking to people. And I started saying, Hey, what kind of ch- what have you ever done? This one girl been going to their church eight months says, Oh, I've been in marketing. I I worked at uh now watch my mind go blank. What's that big church in Australia song something? She said, yeah, I was their manager and stage manager stuff for, for a couple years. And he's like, you've been in this congregation this whole time? Well, nobody ever asked me. God, He's like, what? So what did he learn? He's asking everybody. He says, Dad, i got a team now that will blow your mind. I couldn't believe. They were there all the time. And guys, I'm convinced. These men are there, and I'm convinced that God can use us to help get them there, to help get them there. Let's go to the next next one here, Uh, but here's the deal. In fact, back up one more time. I'm sorry, I keep doing it this way. I apologize. How many men's on that board? Thirteen. What's the name of this? Project 13, Jesus and His 12 disciples. Okay? That's not Jesus, of course. But that's the same principle that Jesus Christ used when He walked this earth. And you know what? It worked for Him. Okay? I'm pretty sure He was showing us a model. And this model could fit in other places too. But I see how this can fit in men's ministry. Where you take these three guys, and you remember how Jesus had His inner circle? Then He had His outer circle, right? Isn't this the same principle? So once again, Project 13 come from this thought and taken on, on, on this thought. So there's questions, what we would call discipleship coaching questions that you would train your, your blue hats uh, to share. And, and once again, three maximum, one-on-one, and, and, and referring once again and talking with the pastor becomes very important, that our pastor is obviously knowing what's going on uh, with these things. And it's important that we keep him up on that. And you look at the value of a person, discipleship's a team effort, and, and, and the purpose, once again, is to try to get men discipled, and get men that where you can talk to them one-on-one. The mission is to win people to Christ, guys. That, that is the bottom line. So let me ask you, uh, at this point in time, if anybody has any questions or any comments or any thoughts, yes? Pretty much, and that's where the men of our church filter, obviously, through that crowd, try to see if there's guys that need help. so now the one-on-one thing is is there? Is
4: there kind of a layout program to to step you through a mentoring process,
1: or do you got to figure each guy out? Nope. We've got the questions, and once again, is, is 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 the different things. In fact, let me even give you a couple examples of um, of of some of the questions that that could be asked, um, that we will train the blue guys to ask, the blue hats, okay? Uh, let me just find it here, guys. Give me a second. And uh, first thing we're going to teach the blue hats is you've got to listen, okay? Listen. How are you, how are you personally? You, you need to decide these right up front. How's my yellow hat personally? I mean, is this guy hurt? What's his struggle? Uh, and, and, and even asking questions like, man, you know, how are you doing? Start out with, with, with something that, that you're going to listen. You're going to ask questions. You're going to find out where this guy's coming from. How, how's your family? Uh, your spouse? How, how are you and God doing? Do you, do you have any relationship with God? You know? and, and so the Blue Hats is going to start learning this guy, meeting this. Now, once again, this guy, before he ever gets the Blue Hat, he's going to say, I need help. You know, he's going to, that's, that's what we're going to try to get to the guys that will open up, that God is already dealing with their hearts, and... Uh, and, and making it available. In fact, once again, your own DNA. You may have a group that you bring in, and maybe you're bringing them in just for the fun, but you still might have a, a small devotion. You want to be careful that we don't let these guys, man, he set me up. They got me in here to this hunting thing, and now you know they're going to give me this religion. You know, We want to be careful of those kind of things. That's where the one-on-one comes in. That's where your church guys that are there, that you would train them once again encourage them. Infiltrate. Go out and sit with these guys. You know, of course, the guy that's invited him is usually from your church. Hey, these are your hunting buddies, you know? And you might just say, hey, man, I remember you told me that uh, he was really having a hard time with this. You know, we got a guy over here that that would come alongside you and would help you with that. Are you serious about this? You know, you already know the guy yourself. You might not even be the blue hat, but you might introduce him to that blue hat. So it's all, the whole idea and the whole concept is your DNA, you know, how it fits your group but that you have a plan, that you are intentional. You might not bring them in here and do a preaching thing at them because they may feel like, you know, once I said, you might feel like you tricked me. You got me in here so you could, you know, talk religion. But at the same time, when you're at a table with a guy and you're talking 101, that's a total different thing. Total different thing. You even talked to some guys. So guys, really appreciate you guys coming out tonight, man. And being a part of this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. Well, you know what's really great about a group like this? These guys here are just a bunch of these guys here are just to help people too. You guys ever walking through something that you're having problems with? You guys ever need somebody to talk to? You know what? You need to let me know. You need to let me know. And uh, all you did was plant a seed. We've got to start somewhere. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, of course, that's what it's all about. Holy Spirit, touch that heart. Maybe He can bring that person back to you. Maybe He can bring that You know that guy said that somebody would maybe help me with this. Because guys guys don't like to walk alone through these things. And we're not the kind of guy just opens up and starts sharing like girls. We don't do that. So we've got to make somehow it conducive for these guys to be able to open up without feeling threatened. So that is the goal. We've got to figure out how to do that. But once again, guys, I've just skimmed the surface on this. You know, I haven't really got to go into details about how all this works. But it could happen. I'm sorry. Yes? Is, is
4: this going to coincide with the champions or is this replacing the champions? Current?
1: Yeah. Well, right now the champion, to my knowledge, okay, is, is being used at one church in our state. Now, there may be more, but that's all I'm aware of. And the thought was kind of been, and please, uh, that, you know, that um, there's been, uh, you know, I, I came across that a couple of times. said, yeah, man, that's a great, yeah, but it just didn't work for us or whatever. You know, and, and so the, the attitude with some is we tried that, you know, or oh that's older, that was old school. I've heard stuff like that, which is not true. That's an awesome program uh, for men. I don't even call it a program; it's an often ministry. But for right now, um, there's just nothing going on with that, and uh, so
4: we're yeah.
1: Well, see, once we get this thing in place, then there's gonna, this is going to be added to that because we don't want to take away from that at all, guys. Because praise the Lord, man, there's one church that's taken that and, uh, and good things have happened. You know, a lot of good things. So uh, that's good stuff. But yes? Is
4: there an
1: age that determines the uh, once again, DNA. That would be your DNA. If your church, you've got some guys 15, 16, or something that you feel like, you know, we need to include these guys, then that would be your DNA. That would be a decision you guys would have to make. And that's one thing that's good about this, too. It's not a program, oh, you know, that is cut and dried, oh, this, this. No. What fits you? What fits your church and your ministry? So that's a great question. I know if you have
4: Yeah.
1: And once again I think that depends on your circumstance and there may be Maybe you don't have a youth, a lot of, not every church has a youth pastor, you know, and if you don't, we need to include them boys in this. Let them see godly men. Yes? Yeah, we try to match them up with, you know, if they get along, you know, they can be youth and be with the elders, we're not elders, but, you know, the men. Yeah, to have some good male influence, sure. Yeah. And guys, that's important, you know, that, that, that these young people see godly men in action. What's that like? You know, and, and once again, if you read into details, guys, we wouldn't even have nowhere near enough time to go into all the details of this. Now, but once again, when we train the White Hats, the reps in your area, they will be coming and they will be sharing with the pastors of that area. And we'll be putting mailers out, too, from the men's ministry, um, l- making sure everybody knows this is available. It's not available at this moment because we haven't trained anybody yet. So this is new. It just happened that we came up with Synergy right now, and I shared this with uh, Pastor John, and he goes, hey, let's make this available. Let's at least put it out there and let them know that men's ministry is coming up, that we're stepping up and we're trying to do something. Guys, even if it's something that we could put out and if, if, if just, you know, because here's what somebody told me. Well, you know, of course you're not going to get 100% of the churches. I go, well, you know, probably not, but should that mean I should not try to get 100% of churches? No. You're going to try, and of course you probably, you you know, I can't help it, guys. I can't say you probably won't, and I think I live in a real world, but I'm telling you, with God, there's nothing impossible. There's just nothing impossible. Yes.
4: size is seven children and America's family size is 1.5. Below 1.5 is irreversible. Just by sheer
1: numbers, they're not forcing it. sheer numbers. numbers. So they recognize the importance of the male, you know, in a community and even in a nation. Guys, how much more should God's people recognize that, you know? Well, fellas, I don't have to convince you guys that we need Men in our church, we need to go after the men. What I'm hoping and believing is that God is going to give us the ability and the and the withal to reach out to men. And I I just think, guys, think about it. If this if if our here's what I guys listen. Of course, once again, I'm a dreamer, man. I you know I don't think there's anything impossible with God. I know all of us believe that, but I mean, man, I believe that. You know, I have no doubt. I I, I can see that if this. If this network, if our churches would come around and rally around and catch a vision. Guys, think about this. Jesus, or, or yeah, in the Garden of Eden, God made man out of what? The dirt, The dirt. okay? And man doesn't go back to the dirt until he dies, okay? When he dies, you know, we go back, the body goes. But until then, and, and, and once again, what's the dirt? The dirt's the foundation. I mean, that's the base, right? I believe with all my heart that a church... That their foundation is based on the men as leaders in their church. It's going to be the church that's going to prevail. It's going to be the church that's going to be effective. It's going to be the church that's going to make a difference in that community. God didn't plant your church in that community to sit back and do nothing. And God didn't put that church together and bring people from north, south, east, and west that He wasn't planning on equipping that church. Guys, your equipment's there. The men and, and leaders of that church, they're there. You may say, "Well, we don't have hardly any men. What well, do you have? One?" And then again, you that are here are men. Okay, if you got to be the first one, I just believe that God honors our efforts, and when we step up, God steps up. Now, guys, we can believe God. I think about this for a moment. I can believe God for life after death. Is that pretty awesome? I mean, I've never. How do I know that for sure? I personally, I never talked to anybody that went up there and came back. I've read books. And some of the books I read, these guys are Fruit Loops, if you ask me about them. I mean, I'm thinking, geez, I don't know. And then you read somewhere, man, you know, the hair on the back of your neck, you're going, whoa. You know, but I believe there's life after death. But I can't believe that God could build a men's ministry in my church. Wouldn't it seem to be <laughs> easier to believe that than it would to be life after death? Now, guys, we know there's life after death because we know what we've experienced in our heart, and we know these things are true. I'm just saying that God, God is prepared. God has it all planned. I can't help but God's sitting up there going, man, they just don't get it. I gave them leadership, you know, and I gave them the men. I mean, you know, um, I mean, they might have to do this a couple times with the guys to get them moving, but they're there. We've got to get them motivated. So, guys, I just want you to begin to pray. I think something like this must be covered in prayer. In fact, you know what? I'd find my, my, my prayer warriors in that church. I'd find the armor bearers, the ones that's there, man, for the battle. They're there to support any battle going on. And I'd just say, hey, this, and they may not even be in a group, but I'd take my, my information to them and I'd say, I want you to cover this in prayer. I want you to take this men's ministry right here. And, and if you want to call it Project 13, you can call it anything you want, but this Project 13 is what we're for sure, that pray about this. Just seek God for this. And, 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 and I'm praying about what God wants me to do, the part He wants me to play. I'm going to go to my pastor and say, Pastor, what do you think? I want to help you, Pastor. You can't do this all yourself. And, guys, I'm learning with all my heart that I think all my life, I'm old school. I've been taught all my life that the pastor's got to do it, you know. Well, my church is past, uh, my church is a level two church numerically, anywhere 225, 250. But I'm still a um, uh, a level one pastor that thinks he has to do it all. And guys, I'm finding out I just can't do it. So I'm just now surrounding myself with an awesome team. i got my admin here with me today. I'm giving, in fact, you know what I just gave her this week? It was really hard for me. Now, don't laugh at me. but <laughs> Honestly, she got one of those a few months ago. I mean, you know, okay, right, right, right. Okay, come on, we me... go? <laughs> And actually, she was very uh, instrumental in my getting a raise a few months ago, talking to the board on my behalf. I'd like to thank my admin for that. But seriously, guys, now you made me forget what I was talking about. I had it right there. Wait a minute. What was it? Sam's Club. Yes, that was exactly what it was. I gave something up. Was that just yesterday or the day before? I just gave something up. And it was my trips to Sam's Club, picking up the the janitorial supplies. I mean, I was the pastor for you. I mean, we did everything. And I remember going, um, I've got too many distractions, Debbie. I can't get enough stuff done. I don't have time to do the important stuff here. I'm going to give you the, the uh, Sam's Club thing, right? And, of course, my wife's going, it's about time. <laughs> she said, you don't need to be doing that. And, of course, I don't. But, guys, I'm just now getting to the place where I realize I've always been so busy doing things that I haven't been pouring into leadership like I need to. And God has really shown me some things. Guys, I'm 63. I figure if I can make it to 70, you know, if my health can hold up, I can make it to 70. Uh, that's six and a half years. I better get busy. I'm going to finish strong, guys. I'm not going to be the guy that stays too long. If his 70s too long, I pray God opens my eyes and shows me that it's time for me to move on, and I'm gone. I have no problem with that because I know God's got something else for me. And once again, I kind of was even thinking about maybe after 70, Taken maybe them 70s, which is, they're telling me, it's it's the last year where I don't walk like this, and I don't, you know what, that maybe you've still got a few years to walk around, that maybe you need to go spend that with your Debbie, you know, your wife. And she's out here in one of the meetings, probably listening to her son. She loves to do that. And, uh, uh, And maybe you could spend a few years with Debbie, give her some quality. Because Debbie's point is, you know what, I've shared you with, for 40 years we've been married, I've shared you with people all my life. So I'm thinking, man, okay, 70 is my magic number right now. But then again, the church may ask me to leave before 70. I don't know how that works. But whatever it is, I'm going to give it my best, guys. I'm going to give it my best. And I'm going to believe it's going to happen. But, guys, it comes through intentionality. You've got to be intentional. And if your men's ministry is going to be successful, you know what, really, guys, really touches my heart. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't something in your heart about men's ministry. Would you? No, there's something that drew you here today, and I still believe Holy Spirit does that, guys. I know He does. And I just want you to know that this is coming, and if we can help you as the men's direct, co-directors here in this in this wonderful network we're in, we're going to be here for you. We're going to make it available. But if you want to do it on your own, guys, that's fine too. We're going to make it available where you guys can order this, this kind of stuff. But I just want you to be sure, if, I just want to challenge you guys, if you're going to do it, do it with all your might. And don't say we're going to try it. Don't even go there. If you're going to do it, you've got, you got to man up. You've got to say, you know what? And, guys, it's not going to be easy. There's nothing easy about this. It's, it's, it's work, guys. It's difficult. But think about what the results are. I thank God that something as simple as Top Gun, a man's in heaven today because our church made something available for men to come to. And guys, we can use that for children, for youth. You know, we do think the family comes. But you get the dad in there, great things are going to happen. Any other questions? Anybody have any other things um, or thoughts or anything like that? Pastor, Yes. whole community sure
2: and it's, and it is and they had to add a room they had to add a room. <laughs> You, know, you get around four or five guys around the table and they're all eating and they're, you
1: know, they after work. And so. See, that's intentional. It's, it's intentional. I mean, they started it somewhere. So, see, guys, it is—is is, is it so much of what we call it or what we do is we get out there and make it happen. But this structure here can help you make it happen. And that's another great example. You can make a call into uh, that church in Dayton. Man, they it's awesome. And uh, uh, it's a large church, too, man. And they're, they're planting churches all over, you know. Good things are happening for these guys. So, guys, it's it's a powerful thing. And God wants to do something powerful, I think, in our lives. Even we in this room, God wants us to be all he's called us to be. And I love that thought a little bit earlier about how uh, God takes that individual and, and he's got a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. But that purpose isn't just for their own selfish edification. That purpose is for the kingdom. Don't you believe that? Even guys that don't know God right now, God still had a purpose for those guys. And we can maybe help them find out what that purpose is. Now remember this too. Guys, you ain't going to change nobody's life. There ain't no way. But what can God do through you? That's what's awesome. And especially if we can get some of these guys down. Here's, here's where you're really going to get most of your one-on-ones. I've found is the guys that come to your pastor and say, Pastor, I'm having a problem here. And, then you can tr- you, and this guy already trusts you or he wouldn't be coming telling you this stuff then if you tell him you've got a guy that will walk with him through this, and you'll be here for it, but you've got a guy that will meet with him and talk with him, and a guy that absolutely, I vouch for this guy, you know what, that guy's going to have a very good chance. In fact, I've got a guy doing that right now, getting ready to. And in fact, he was in my first session for my own church, and uh, and this is the first time he heard all of this. Uh, and he, I'm asking him to be a blue hat, and, uh, and I'm going to be his white hat for right now and, and train him in this. And I've got a, two guys in my church that he would really be good with. So as you see, guys, it's still the fact that we're we're making the opportunity available. We're going to hold that boy accountable if he's serious. Can we help him if he's not serious? No, nah, we can't help him. God's not. I mean, God to do everything He can, but the boy's got to do his part too. But by the very fact that he's asking, at least he has a desire to overcome these things. Guys, it's awesome. Men are awesome. We need them in our church. They make a difference. You heard some of the statistics and things. The one that really gets me the most is that 80% of our boys in prison today didn't have a positive male image. They may have had a dad or somebody that you know, fathered, fathered him or something or whatever, but a positive male image. In fact, look at your own life. And I'm blessed. I had a great positive image in my life. I can't relate to guys that had a bad childhood. My childhood was like the Brady Bunch, you know. It was just, it was just a godly home, and um, it was just a powerful thing. And I thank God for my heritage. And I wanted to have the same thing for my sons. And God bless. I have three boys that, that are just doing great. I'm so thankful. And, it, and once again, I give all the credit to God, you know. God's the one who gives us the wisdom, and God gives us the direction. And did I get it right all the time? Why was it hard for me, dads? You guys were fathers, you men. Why is it hard for us to say, I was wrong? What is that? And maybe some, most guys that I find, it's just like, now some discipline themselves and they say it, but it's still not easy to admit it. I remember one time I corrected the wrong boy. When I walked in, he looked guilty. Okay, (laughs) So he got in trouble. Come to find out he isn't the one that he might have looked guilty, but he wasn't guilty. And I went into that little guy. He was only five or six. But I went in there and I got down. I remember getting right down on my knee, man. I said, son, I made a mistake. I was wrong. And I asked my boy to forgive me. And we both cried. You know what? And he's patting me back, it's okay, Dad. You know what? It's okay. I forgive you. You know, it's like but, but there was something still within me that it was difficult for me to walk in there. It was just hard. Guys, we need to teach our men, don't we? It's our pride. What is it? It's our pride. It is our pride. You know what? That's our nature. So we're going against our nature to admit we're wrong and to say I'm sorry, right? But guys, we need to, we need to rise above that, don't we? And we need to teach men to rise above that and to be godly men. Anything else before we go, guys? I'm going to dismiss you a little bit just a few minutes earlier here. Well, guys, anytime, uh, any questions or anything like that. But for some of you, be watching for this because you're rep. When we get them all, we still got seven more guys we got to come up with. But we're searching, we'll find them, and uh, we'll make this available. But, guys, cover this in prayer for us, will you? Project 13. God bless you, guys. Thanks for coming.